0: Hawk Hawk Hawkman, Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal. Don't be silly, of course we know you. Jimmy, it's a terrible thing. Aquaman, glad you could make it.
1: I brought some shrimp. If you need anything else, kelp, seaweed, anything,
0: you just name it. Hello, Flash, Green Arrow, I mean Green Lantern. I'm sorry, I'm just barely keeping it together.
2: Uh, gentlemen, may I show you to your seats? Lex Luthor,
0: what are you
1: doing here?
2: It's a, it's a tragedy, a real tragedy. It's great loss, just a pity, just tra- tragic. You don't mean that, do you, Luther? All right, you got me. I'm glad he's dead. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was a worthy arch rival, and uh, I'm here to show my respect, but uh, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm happy he's gone. This, this should be a great year for me.
0: Excuse me. Excuse me, this is a private service.
3: Uh-huh, no man, I'm Black
0: Lightning. <laughs> Black Lightning?
3: You know Black Lightning, you know
2: me. Me and Superman were like this. We was tight. You know, I had my own comic book back in the 1970s. Well, I am the one one him how to fly. Look, well, I'm sorry. I'm Superman's pal and I've never heard of you. Come on, man. Black Lightning. I shoot electric charges, you know. That's Batman after he know me. Yo, Batman, what's up, man? It's me.
0: All right, Mr. Lightning. Um, if it were up to me, it would be no problem. I, but, you know. Oh, it's like that, huh? It's like that? Yeah, I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to go.
3: Alright, man, why don't you eat some lightning bolts, Chuck?
0: <laughs> Ow! <laughs> Alright,
3: get out! Hey, man, get off my case,
0: Chuck! <laughs> hey! That stings! Now get out! Yo! Black lightning! <laughs> <laughs>
3: justice, like lightning, should ever appear to some men hope and to other men fear. I was 21 when I wrote those words. It was some six years later before I finally understood them. And that was the day Jefferson Pierce became Black Lightning. Created and written by Tony Isabella, artists Trevor Von Eden and Frank Springer, colorist Liz Berube, letterer P.G. Lisa, story editor Jack C. Harris. And so began the first issue of The Titular Star and one of the subjects of this episode. In the 1990s, years before Wikipedia became the flawed but invaluable default internet resource we relied on pioneering journalists like Don Markstein to offer up the closest thing to comprehensive cataloging of our comic book heroes up until his passing in 2012 Don Markstein's Tunapedia was still the first choice destination for researchers in this field rather than draft my own summary I just assume read from his there was a time and place for everything and in 1977 in comic books it was time for black superheroes to take starring roles Marvel Comics already had two in their own titles Luke Cage and Black Goliath, and archrival rival DC he was falling behind the times. Unfortunately, the only one they had on the drawing board was an insult to practically everybody and any point of view at all.
4: The original candidate for DC Comics first headlining black superhero was a character called the Black Bomber. When the editor who had approved the Black Bomber left the company before the character had seen print, Tony Isabella was asked to salvage the character. Isabella convinced editors to instead use his Black Lightning character, which he had been developing for some time.
3: Tony's tips was an opinion column that you to run in Comic Buyer's Guide and then eventually migrated online. Isabella wrote of the creation of Black Lightning for the June 20th,
0: 2000 installment. Black Lightning was the first DC superhero to headline his own book, but there were three other supporting players who showed up first. The first was Jon Stewart, who became Earth's substitute Green Lantern after Guy Gardner was injured. He debuted in a Denny O'Neill slash Neil Adams story and didn't make another appearance until Len Wein used him in a JLA story. It was a long time before he made anything resembling regular appearances appearances. Tyrock was a member of the Legion of Superheroes. The unfortunate thing about him was that he was the first Earth-type person of color shown in that series and came from an island nation of blacks. All blacks living on their own island? Sounds like a Klansman wet dream to me. One of those things that makes you wonder if the writer had thought through this concept completely. As I recall, Tyrock had some sort of sound powers. Then there was Mal of the Teen Titans. He didn't have any powers when he first joined the Teen Titans during their brief No Costumes era, when the book was revived in the 1970s for another brief run. He initially wore an exoskeleton and the Guardian's costume. Later on, he picked up a magic horn somewhere and fought crime as the hornblower. I will say that I created Black Lightning after convincing DC not to publish another black superhero on which they had started work. The black bomber was a white bigot who, in times of stress, turned into a black superhero. This was the result of chemical camouflage experiments he'd taken part in as a soldier in Vietnam. The object of these experiments was to allow our white troops to blend into the jungle. In each of the two, completed black bomber scripts, the white bigot risks his own life to save another person whom he can't see clearly, in one case, a baby in a stroller, and then reacts in racial slur disgust when he discovers that he risked his life to save a black person. He wasn't aware that he had two identities, but each identity had a girlfriend and the ladies were aware of the change. To add final insult, the bomber's costume was little more than a glorified basketball uniform. DC had wanted me to take over writing the book with the third issue. I convinced them to eat the two scripts and let me start over. To paraphrase my arguments, do you really want DC's first black superhero to be a white bigot? Okay, he wasn't precisely their first black superhero, but I made my point. The Black Bomber stories were deep-sixed and I went to work on my own creation. After all these years, Black Lightning remains the creation and the work of which I'm proudest. Readers of the original 1970s series have told me how much this character has meant to them. A couple of them were inspired by school Jefferson Pierce and became teachers themselves. The short-lived 1990s series, drawn by the incredible Eddie Newell, received critical acclaim from all over the place. One issue even received an online award for Best Comic Book of the Year. Hopefully, Black Lightning, Eddie, and I will all get together again someday.
3: Picking up where we left off with Don Markstein, they called in writer Tony Isabella, whose prior credits included both of those Marvel characters, Luke Cage, Black Goliath, as well as Daredevil, Captain America, the Champions, and many others, to act as script doctor, but he pronounced it hopeless. That left him with three weeks to start from scratch and replace it with a brand new concept, and result was Black Lightning. By the way, Black Lightning wasn't named after Johnny Thunder's horse. He was named after a menace on a Wonder Woman cover that a a chance to run across while the character was gestating. Black Lightning was Jefferson Pierce, who grew up in a slum in Metropolis, Superman's hometown, and the same slum, by the way, where the 1940s Newsboy Legion series was set. He escaped the ghetto to the point of becoming an Olympic decathlon medalist, but he returned as a high school teacher to improve conditions and help others find their way out. His biggest obstacle was organized crime, and it was to break their stranglehold in the community that he became a superhero. His friend Peter Gamby, a tailor and part-time experimenter who had helped his family following the shooting death of his father, made him a costume and equipped it with a gimmicked belt. Wearing it, he was able to generate electricity from his body and use it as a weapon in hand-to-hand combat. Later on, through unspecified means, he seems to have internalized the power. Gamby, by the way, already had a minor connection to the DC Universe. His brother Paul had crafted costumes for most of the Flash's villains back in the 1960s. The character debuted in Black Lightning No. 1, dated April 1977. Isabella wrote the script with Trevor Von Eden, Thriller, Green Arrow, Doing the Pencils, and Frank Springer, Brain Boy, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., on the inks. Isabella and Von Eden remained on the title through its 11-issue run, which ended when, in 1978, DC abruptly cut back drastically on its entire line. Before it was finished, the hero was offered membership in the Justice League of America and became the third, after Adam Strange and Metamorpho, to turn them down. He eventually joined, but decades went by first. Like several other refugees, from what is remembered as the DC Implosion, Black Lightning found a slot in the back pages of somebody else's comic. It took a couple of years, but eventually he got gigs in Detective Comics, where Batman is a star, and in the World's Finest Comics, where Superman and Batman shared top billing. In the mid-1980s, he was scooped up into a team, The Outsiders, where again, at least initially, Batman was the star who sold the comic. That series ended in 1988, and for the next several years, Black Lightning was seen mostly as an occasional guest star. DC launched a new Black Lightning series in 1995, with Isabella again doing the scripts, and art by Eddie Newell, a relative newcomer to the field. The series had great critical success and was apparently selling quite well, but differences with the publisher led to Isabella's departure after the eighth issue. Without him, the series ground to a halt. The spark went out with its 13th issue, February 1996, and since then, Black Lightning hasn't been seen on a regular basis. DC has black members of the Legion of Superheroes, the Teen Titans, and the Green Lantern Corps, as well as black characters in many other positions. Black Lightning remains the company's strongest black star. He just seems to have bad luck when it comes to sustaining a series. Three years ago, I had a conversation about, amongst many other things, Black Lightning in his new role as a TV series star with a person who at that time identified as Mix Jeffrey Brown. I don't want to dead name anybody, but the name Jeff comes up several times in the recordings, whether it's going to be in this episode or a later episode, so I wanted to clarify. Currently, they identify as just Julio Raul, and they're here to offer you a recap of what occurred in the 1990s. Isabella New
1: series. It's a good lead off to my subject about Black Lightning. So
3: what did you think about the course of the series? Like, can you give us like an overview of what happens over the course of the trade and what changes you saw between writers if any?
1: Okay, well when Isabella was writing issues one through four, it was a little bit of a melodrama. Jefferson in the New City calling his wife on the phone saying, no, I'm going to be out working. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading this, does she know he's Black Lightning? Because at the time when I read this, coming in new after watching the show, I'm thinking, well, maybe this virgin He's out quite up front with his wife being black lightning. He has this electricity thing. He goes out, stops some gang bangers. And he starts off wearing a trench coat and everything. And then, you know, goes to some crack house, tears the place up. These guys don't like it. Brazen hell, throwing people around the next day. You know, the mayor's like, Well, what's that? We got a meta human in my town. You know, one of the mayor's aides is like, Well, you know, I heard this guy's doing good. He's stopping all the gangs. Crime has done, been reduced down by 10%. Well, I don't want this guy. He's like saying, Winslow, tell me about who this is. The mayor's like, All right, I'll figure it out. We'll tell you who he is. Oh, we heard he used to be. Be one of the outsiders and he came in like a thundercloud oh the mayor's still like man like i don't want him here get him out of my town or betty if there's any news about him i don't want to have it front page also black lightning in brick city meets um a woman named mr henderson who i thought when i watched the show and i saw inspector henderson see the henderson i'm thinking of is like the one from the superman comics because i didn't think you know to be black henderson i don't know if in the show they took from this a little bit from this run as a grandma and you know, this woman like he's in the same neighborhood and he helps out this woman and her nephew named lamar he's Working at a grocery store, but he's been pressured in school by the local school gang kids to be in the gang for protection. But he doesn't want to be in the gang. And Jefferson, they saw him a black line, well, He came in there and kicked their asses. So I heard he was like Batman. And you know Jefferson looks like because he knows who Batman is. And then a woman and her baby gets hit by a car by two people who are high. And you know it's a very tragic scene, which made me think of The Wire a little bit because child got killed. And this is in the first issue. Old man goes, "Well, what about my boy?" And a woman on the ground is saying, "Well, where's my baby? Where's my baby?" Oh, they show like the news. Um, stuff kind of like Watchmen, where they're telling like the various people in the town are talking about, you know what? Every time you know we stuck here in the projects, we can't get out of the projects. They're trying to tell us about the American Dream, you know, the same thing we're all dealing with today, where we're all getting brushed aside and basically mistreated because we're in the lower rungs of society, you know. And then the woman talks, well, oh, we used to have singers and dancers here, and now you know there's a lot of good people in the projects. We shouldn't tear it down, or you shouldn't gentrify it. It just makes Black Lightning want to go out there and do some good. It gives them his motivation, which I can see why you'd say it would be boring a little bit because we're getting a lot of exposition we're getting a lot of showing and telling there's even a church in this one which I know in the show I don't know if they do church stuff much but it's something that I noticed and when I was reading this all I could think of was there was a scene in the show where Gamby went to the church after was about to go do something for Lady Eve he goes and meets a guy named Beagle later on after talking to like this woman who's like Miss Henderson's niece she's making googly eyes at him and stuff I don't know it's the first four issues it's, it's it's in between soap opera and it doesn't get to the action until about issues three and four you know that's what it ran. Because that's when Painkiller shows up and does his thing. There's a lot of talking. Nothing wrong with it. But I can see why you would drop off. I know the next couple of issues after this one after he's out of the hospital which will be issue five cause that's when he's doing all his recollecting about like his life thus far after like I do good but bad things happen the good man died because of me a guy named Walter Casco who basically was trying to like stick up for Lamar when he was being picked on by these they ain't the bloods but they were red you know they're like oh well, you join our gang you want nobody to mess with you and he's like nah no, I don't want anything to do with that and that guy died he was a gay character which I was surprised to read in 1995 in this book I mean I, I mean how like I said, I wasn't expecting it. Would know until his partner came in to ask Jefferson that, well, we did a meta gene test and you came up positive, but I'm not going to tell them out there. Just tell me, is my partner a good man? He's like, yeah, he was a hero because he was going on about how Walter would tell silly jokes and stuff. Be kind of macho a little bit, but it's one of those things where it wasn't about action or the punchy punch stuff. It was more about like just the story. I can see why it reminded me of Daredevil because he just felt guilty on issue five. But by issue six, we got Gangbuster who shows up, and you know who that is, right? I don't remember
3: the film. His name but uh oh, Jose Delgado. yeah and he was the fellow who was the street level vigilante who they introduced two man books it was originally supposed to be guardian but they couldn't get the uh they wouldn't allow them to use guardian so they created a new character.
1: I was surprised to see him in this though because see I've read a little bit of the Superman books with him in it and I know Lufer broke his back I know he broke his back one time and Lufer before he became his Australian illegitimate son and I helped him out by giving him a cybernetic spine but if he did anything online Lufer would press a button and he wouldn't be able to walk and seeing him in this because I think it's like Deaf and return of superman i kind of laughed a little bit because i'm thinking yeah this guy I remember him i mean he, last time i saw him he got shot in the arm running from the cops after busting up some drug deal drinking a bottle of bourbon afterward after jumping in the bay uh, or he got shot got grazed in the arm delved jumped in the water to get away from the cops and then when he got out of it he was with a bum drinking some whiskey or whatever talk about leaving town but he was with cat grant and when i saw him in this i'm like what's he doing here I'm trying to think why would you put him is it because him and black lightning were in, from metropolis which i'm surprised he wasn't in superman animated series either don't you think that's odd though but he, was, he had like a free issue arc that Isabella did before he um, left where basically Tobias Whale well makes his presence known which when I read this all I could figure was the actor that played him in the show because we're gangbusters I don't have any reference for him he's a guy that wears brown and tan and has like a motorcycle helmet or something and fights with nunchucks very um Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles
3: well it's another thing it's, it's one of the rare Latino DC characters and he's a dude in a motorcycle helmet with some nunchucks <laughs> which, like, I, which I look
1: at him and go you could have put him in like episode of Superman animated Series, right? Since they were mining from that era, you know, they had Bibbo there, they had Hamilton. They could have had Gil- Delgado, but you would almost have to put him on the Batman show if they were to if adapted him back then, as opposed to the Superman one. But I you know then again, that would mean you have to have Cat Grant, which I'm surprised he didn't show up in the Supergirl show. But I know Cat Grant in that show would probably not go for Delgado here. I
3: was talking earlier about how Gangbuster was a fill in for Guardian. And on the Supergirl show, you had Jimmy Olsen become Guardian. Mm-hmm. So they didn't need Gangbuster, they had Guardian <laughs> instead.
1: I can they- tell they just don't want to use this character. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of like what Black Lightning. over like, yeah, we made him, but they are gonna put him in everything. <laughs> Even though he was a product of the '80s, don't want to look at Delgado. When I look at him in this '90s book, it's kind of like, jarring because him and Black Lightning—you'd think one of them would know of the other. Because like one of the cops goes tells on Black Lightning, hey, there's some guy from Metropolis, a superpower type. Is he an outsider? And the guy says, no, he ain't an outsider because <laughs> you know Black Lightning's thinking, little well, Batman's here. Tell him to go on the side of the street. Don't come over here to Brick City, please. I got this. No, it's just Delgado, and they go like, well, he has the warrants on him. If he goes back to Metropolis to arrest him and since he's in Brick City doing what he's doing he could get arrested there too so I like it that they have him that he's on the run and I don't know what they did with the character afterward after these issues looking after some gang member who had reformed who was trying to do like peace summits and stuff it's like the plot of issues six through nine I mean I find it interesting but it's very topical at the time and maybe topical now but you know when you throw in Tobias Whale orchestrating all this with uh, he has a weird meta with him called Ishmael which since Whale, you know it's like you know about Tobias Whale, right yeah I would say Stephen Mandragore if I was going to think about that version but CW version seems a bit more interesting than what I'm reading right now because if I just look at him at face value Whale looks like Kingpin he has this shapeshifter called Ishmael impersonate Jose Delgado they put a hit on this former gang member who's doing peace summits and stuff and in issue 7 Black Lightning is just doing his thing his wife's trying to call him but she's sad because he ain't picking up the phone and they are supposed to meet for something Beagle goes on about both Delgado and this other guy's history who is on Carlos because there's a lot of stuff when I read it in context thinking about the post-crisis DC DC Universe it makes sense that they wouldn't have done this in the Superman books but they put it off over in Black Lightning could have easily could have had him go to Gotham but I know Gotham at the time after Bane and broke Batman's back I'm talking over your city <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll break your books gangbuster. maybe Bane
3: should have hit Brick City first and worked his way up to Gotham
1: yeah which I, I, know, I don't even know if they were even going to do that but reading this I'm thinking well why is he here does he know Black Lightning's here you two both were in Metropolis find it interesting about Black Lion and okay he started off in Metropolis in the suicide slums and then they retconned it even in the cartoon it's like well Steel was in the suicide slums but Lufor grew up in the suicide slums I don't know if it's a Kirby thing or I, I believe
3: suicide Slum was a Kirby thing yeah and that's oh. one of those things that gets me it's like you've got Superman and he can do all this stuff and yet Metropolis still has a suicide slum you know
1: which where? I mean the, the name by itself makes me think that should be in Gotham that shouldn't, right. be, that shouldn't be Metropolis I get it it's the ghetto of Metropolis but I look at Angle, Steel Still in a cartoon, to there. And looked like he yeah, had like a factor and whatever, right? And there was a little black neighborhood neck pit, which I thought well, that was cool. I'm glad they had that there, but they only showed it for one episode. Where I'm like, I want to kind of see more of that. Rather than when I read this, all I can think of, oh yeah, suicide song. This is Lex Luthor, allegedly, you know, like his foster parents and stuff, and got life insurance and basically built himself up to be Donald Trump-esque, but not the Clancy Brown version that I know of. I'm probably spitballing here. I might be wrong because I kind of read post-crisis Lex's Clancy Brown because that's that's like the best version of him, and he's got the beard and. In the hair with that thing going on, I'm like, oh yeah, that's Clancy Brown, Lex.
3: <laughs> Lex Luthor is who Donald Trump thinks he is.
1: <laughs> well, minus making a clone of himself after his body's been poisoned by kryptonite <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretending to be Richard Branson.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure he thinks that the science could get that make that happen. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know. That's what I liked about post-crisis Luthor. It's like, yeah, he was dying. He faked his own death and then came back and pretended to be a good guy. I almost believed it. I kind of wish in the cartoon that he had like the red hair and the beard and all that, but he never did that. <laughs> Have you read the full trade? Uh, yes, I read the whole trade last week.
3: Now, you may notice that the writers changed partway through the series.
1: Oh, yeah. After issue nine, issue 10. Was it Dave DeVries, if I remember correctly? It, it was Dave DeVries. Yeah. Issues eight and nine were a bit weird. <laughs> so what happened in those... Last few issues. Okay, well, there's a from like I was telling you, running around now. He's impersonating Delgado, and then, you know, he doesn't look like he's going to kill anybody, but he's going to try to kill this ex gang for ex-gang leader, Carlos. He's at this church because they're all convening there, like the Carlos guy with this church where the Reverend is. And, you know, this guy who, Ishmael, who looks like Delgado slash gangbuster, comes in here with a Uzi, for instance to shoot this guy. This guy's trying to talk him out of it. Black Lightning shows up. And this other guy, the other detective, comes in there who I feel like I might just think, think of him. Is McNulty from The Wire comes in and shoots the guy. They're like, okay, you know, we gotta do some grab him, sparky, and they start fighting, and this fake Delgado overpowers Black Lightning. Since Black Lightning doesn't know if this guy's like saying, well, he must either have powers, must be as strong as um, Force, or his Beagle's um, info slip, and like, you didn't tell me everything about this guy. Like, he might be wearing an exosuit. He whoops his ass. Black Lightning's like, how am I gonna get a beat on him? And, you know, whoops him, kicks him to the side, toss him, swings his n- nunchucks, and they're about to fight until a real Delgado shows up. Now they're like, oh no, two of them. Midway through this issue it switches artists Octavio Carletto and David Zimmerman along with, with Randy Newell which I noticed with this it's kind of strange when it jars a little bit because the scratchiness of Newell I'm in my zone now in this part when I'm reading it but when it gets over to Octavio it's like okay now this almost looks like what the Titans books of the time looked like right mm. like drawing Deathstroke too because I you know the art in those books were a little bit weird
3: yeah I mean the Titans was especially bad but uh, Deathstroke was, was a little up there for the end Titan,
1: too. But I don't know if it's the same artist from Titans because it kind of has that weird rubberiness to it. But like when this shapeshifter finally reveals himself, it looks like some other thing. Face looks vaguely like Tobias Whale's face and says, call me Ishmael, as does my master. Which I'm like, I hope this villain shows up in the show. And <laughs> <'Cause> I'm thinking, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait even, I'm thinking when I'm reading like Tobias has shapeshifters on the payroll. Because even Black Lightning says, oh, this is a little bit too sci-fi for Tobias. <laughs> you know, in the middle of a gang war about to go on because Tobias is engineering it. And this thing, like I said, it looks like... It, I don't know if you read this issue, issue eight, because issue seven is where it fully reveals itself. But by issue eight, it starts to look like the thing. It's all like pink and got teeth and half malformed faces and claws and stuff. It's a sight to behold where I'm mm-hmm. thinking, well, Isabella watching the thing when he came up with this weird villain. Because all before this, it was very street level. Mm-hmm. You know, with the exception of the painkiller, it didn't look like the, the weird thing stuff that I just watch right now. I'm just reading. just came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Have you read this one?
3: No, I stopped. I, I think, again, the first. Four or five issues. I, I maybe by, six, by seven,
1: and eight. That's when this thing creature shows up, and when it, when Black Lightning shocks it up, shocks it enough, it just turns into this pink lump. Which I'm thinking that could be like the lump thing from Jack Kirby's on Fourth World. Which that's what it reminded me of. Mm. But then again, it also I'm not even sure if it's a person, a metahuman, or just the lump from you know, the Fourth World. Because would Tobias have um, connections with Inner Gang, who also have connections with Darkseid?
3: The Suicide Slum Metropolis thing kind of plays in there potentially.
1: Which when I look at this thing that's what it makes me think of this is like a john carpenter by way of kirby creature showing up that's but, a during, good a, life but life. during an issue in the background the gangs are all convening to want to attack one another Blight lightning's thinking about his first run-in with tobias well and they draw the artist draws them look like the kingpin a little bit with like a purple suit you know and his albinoism is a little bit pink you know he has like his afro and his 70s costume because they kind of like what daredevil does with his yellow costume i can tell they did that with on black lightning here where oh, let's not forget these two first met in the 70s even though we're post-crisis and we can't say the 70s but year one there's all this going on while gang wars about that. Like the, all the gangs are finna converge like the red gang where this kid named Lamar is at throughout this church and it's all feeling like it's boiling over things are about to heat up Isabella was like giving us all here and then this preacher who was like by this gang member guy named Carlos and the preacher it turns out to be another one of these creatures and it's kind of like I mean, it's it's, another, it's named after another character from um, Moby Dick the Pacific Islander what was his
3: name? Yeah, I'm drawn a blank on that it's uh, Q-U-E-E-Q-E E. Q. Killer Quig? Uh, thankfully, they didn't make me read that one in school.
1: <laughs> well, I watched the movie with Patrick Stewart once. Uh, <laughs> which, when I read that, I'm like, that's weird. Because, see, at first, Ike line is fighting it, going like, oh, well, I'll just call you Ahab, you know, since the Melville thing works for me. Because since he's fought, he's trying to quit like Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Which, when I read it, I'm thinking, Isabel is trying to really make him like Daredevil. <laughs> Except fighting the thing, of course. And, you know, they shock this creature. And they yeah. tie it up. But Jefferson's wife leaves him after the whole king violence is a verdant and when it switches writers then once again it teased some more stuff by issue 9 where there's like a guy in a big old mech suit demolishing project buildings and that's when David DeVries and Lane Shiro the writers and Mike Huddleston you know show up which Mike Huddleston's art in this issue it was another weird jarring thing where I'm like this ain't Eddie Newell you know it, was, it was, I was almost about to get out of it because I'm like oh, okay Black Line's a guy in the mech suit but he's calling out Black Lightning and I'm like am I supposed to know who he is because the more I read it the more they were fighting and they, you know, Black Lightning gets knocked out pretty good he starts to think about his life it, it, the days before or the hours before this whole event happened also Tobias was well, watching all this happens because this is like the last issue where you even know he's you know making moves against his arch, arch nemesis there's another fan I noticed he had like a young child in issue 9 from Tobias Well, I don't know if you know anything about that it was kind of weird and it was moving on you know his wife left him a note saying well ex-wife saying well you know I'm gonna leave you Jefferson you know this ain't gonna work out you're still Black Lightning you don't care about me and then me he went to school he loses his position as a teacher or he better he gets demoted or transferred to somewhere else old lady Henderson she's been to move somewhere else and the kid Lamar hasn't even been to school and it's like you know it seemed like the supporting characters lives were unraveling and even Black Lightland's life his career as a teacher is like just slipping going away since he wasn't there to do his job for long enough and the principal doesn't like him and everything's going to hell just like Daredevil he's fighting this mech guy he says his name is Krupsi Cre- which I don't know if you know who that villain is some small-time guy who went to jail for something. Looks like he's working for Tobias and this blows up his mech suit. Then issues 10 through 13 is about a serial killer named Sick Nick. He's reading like a wealthy socialite who basically kills a bunch of prostitutes, kind of like Jack the Ripper. Basically that happens with this guy sitting in high society getting away with murder. But then when Black Lightning tries to stop him, it all goes to hell because he frames Black Lightning for murder. After him vivisecting t- a woman or whatever, hits Black Lightning in the leg with a knife because this guy can't feel any pain like when Black Lightning tries to shock him the electricity doesn't affect this guy he can't feel pain at all Black Lightning's on the loss he can't even fist fight the guy really and he gets framed for these prostitute murders and then the public's against him kind of like Daredevil mm-hmm. that's when that I'm more like Dave DeVries is really also trying to do that, keep up that Daredevil flavor going on it didn't even look like Wild like a milestone like milestone anymore until like near the end because all the art by Octavio Carrello can't seem realistic but it's also very much like 90's I guess DC house style mm-hmm. like odd books and you know it wasn't scratchy and the colors were still faded but it didn't have that special milestone glow to it issues 10 11 and 12 it almost reminds me of eight millimeter with this guy because he wears like a leather bondage mask and you know it's very well spoken and stuff like that and it's just it was just weird Finally, like the last issue on issue 13 that's when batman shows up to try to help out his buddy gal of a murder case because the police want to arrest this guy and you know black lightning and he's for right not having doubts about himself like should i even be doing this well, i can't go back out there's black lightning again. I mean, now just, you know, the mayor now wants um, a metahuman task force to come after, which is, like, one guy with a big old 90s chain gun and belt-fed ammo and stuff. I don't even know who this guy is. I guess his name is War Dog. He shows up, and there's another character named Pierce, who's a woman who dresses in a purple leotard, and has, like, a feather on her for earring, and has the rogue-looking half-coat thing going on, and these two villains show up out of nowhere. And I don't even know if they're gonna show up in the show, but they do. But by issue 13, the last issue, it's, like, Batman hears the news and wants to go acquit his buddy off from murder and then goes to this detective who is so ready to get the police force after him tries to tell him, well, if you look for the evidence, or shall I say my Kevin Conroy, if you look for the evidence it's right here, it's just in this place look on the wall, because I had to read like what's this Batman's in this, I'm thinking, okay, this is Kevin Conroy, Batman, mm-hmm. and he gives um, Black Lightning a pep talk saying "Well, this is your city, you gotta protect these people and he can't let all these murders happen and then Black Lightning's like, okay, Batman you win, alright, this is my city, I will equip myself, so in the last issue there's a little bit of a fight, the two humans war dog and Pierce from the last issue he rescues a woman who was about to be killed and then you know Black Lightning and then this detective Joey they try to talk this whole thing out and then they go to the mayor's office at this country club and then the killer is sick next there. and his name was Wentworth. After he's got caught he's going to threaten to kill the mayor and Black Lightning is like alright fine and he sh- Black Lightning shocks the mayor but he doesn't kill him but he proves that well, this guy's a metahuman and that's why he's been able to get away with all these crimes and by the end of it you know he stops the guy by nearly drowning him in a puddle of water in the lake the police arrest this guy. Uh, and then Batman says well good job thank you for helping me out there and Blightline is like yeah great this is my city I'll do something and then the end of this series which only had 13 issues (laughs) I don't know it was a weird little like up and down thing where Isabella wanted to keep it street level but Diverse wanted to really add it to fantastical level and fantastical characters and things mixed in with the street level so that's why I say it gives that Daredevil vibe which I wasn't expecting but I can see where you can say it's boring the spots and where it's very introspective it can also be very much like well, I came here for blacklighting and doing cool <laughs> <sh-." laughs> kind of like the show <laughs> but not but the
0: criminal chase the bad guys and save the world fly the sky half kid amazing okay it's that's A yeah, yeah, yeah. No rain, I'm back in school. Nobody know what I do. Okay, superhero.
3: Static Number 1 by Dwayne McDuffie, Robert L. Washington III, John Paul Leone, and Steve Mitchell is the related fourth milestone title, arriving on May 4, 1993, the fourth month of the imprint. As with Spider-Man at Marvel, timeliness has no negative impact on the young hero, whose relative success easily eclipses that of all his forebears. Virgil Hawkins is the funny, nerdy kid within his peer group. He has the hots for Frida Gorin, in whose friend zone he resides. Also he has secret electromagnetic powers and flies around on trash can lids as the new local hero, Static. Sadler neighborhood creep Hotstreak also has his eyes on Frida and sends his gang to collect her for some quality time. Hotstreak claims to run Ernest Hemingway High School and keep all the finest girlies in his stable. Static rescues and flirts with Frida, making progress. Static can easily handle the gang, but Hotstreak's super speed and fire generating is too much for him. Defeated, Virgil's secret identity is uncovered by Frida when she tries to care for Static. Flashback. We meet the cast when some of the cast meet in high school. Virgil Hawkins is the brain who talks too much, sometimes in Shakespearean English. Ugh. Larry Wade is his tall, intimidating friend, mentee, mentor. Frida Gorin is the cute new girl who needs a tutor. Biz Money B's other name starts with a W and ends with a hard R, but he's still ready with the racial epithets against members of the culture he's appropriating. He's a wannabe womanizer, but Frida isn't interested, so he takes out his incel aggression on Virgil. The public humiliation from B's beating just seems to encourage other people to slag on Virgil. When his personal Mary James Watson calls, the thrill is tempered by her liking him as a friend for not being a macho type. Even Virgil's mom is dismissive. Open wound, insert salt. Larry comes through with a gun and a plan. Virgil
4: can kill B at the Big Bang. An incident in which an experimental substance given the slang name quantum juice was used as tear gas during a gang riot on Paris Island in Dakota, resulting in the creation of super-powered bang babies.
3: Virgil can kill B at the Big Bang during the chaos and walk away clean instead of enduring four more years of this. Except Virgil isn't a killer. Virgil can kill B at the Big Bang and toss the gun in the bay just as caught the sin with the gas attack. Virgil survives and cameos ensue,
4: including Mom's system workers. System is a malevolent international conspiracy that controls most of the civilized world. Mom is a ruthless crime lord in charge of the amber cell of system. Brickhouse. A member of the Blood Syndicate Street Gang, Marta gained her abilities from touching a brick wall when the gas hit because she was present during the infamous Big Bang Brickhouse is invulnerable has superhuman strength and is depicted as between 7 to 10 feet tall
3: and some other folks that will be a big deal later trying to get home alive Virgil's electromagnetic powers manifest and he ultimately flies home on his trusty trash can lid Virgil works out practices his powers and sews a suit Static builds a rep taking out local hoods but now B has resurfaced as hot streak and shaken Virgil's confidence with a pep talk from his new alter ego cohort Frida and deducing how B's powers work he notches an easy W unfortunately Frida Gore is still only down with being Static's friend, not his reward. And now our young hero is on the radar of a whole other level of bad guys. Virgil lost his job answering a distress call from Frida.
4: Tarmac, a simple-minded henchman, he served as a decent source of muscle,
3: attacked Akaz, a club Virgil's friends hang out at, calling out Static. Dudes the T-1000 of asphalt with the brains of pavement. Static dominates in his encounter with Tarmac by using his scientific mind and setting traps. Too bad for him that this was all a test, and now he has to deal with Holocaust, former member of the Blood Syndicate.
4: Holocaust was born Leonard Smalls Jr. He is a power-hungry individual. He was a proud member of the Paris Island Bloods Gang and took part in the Big Bang Turf War. When experimental tear gas, quantum juice, was used on the gang bangers, most either died or became mutated survivors called bang babies. His main superhuman ability is his pyrokinesis. Holocaust can project fire from his body, as well as cause things to explode with a thought. He also possesses superhuman strength and durability at an undefined level. Because of his powers, Holocaust is immune to heat. He is also resistant to telepathy. He is one of the chief antagonists and an occasional anti-hero within the Milestone Comics line.
3: After catching his best gal Frida with his best friend Larry and catching hell from his family for losing another job, Static entertains a position with Holocaust's gang. Of course the guy's a psycho who wants help immolating mobster kids, so they go their separate ways. In what's become a staple of Static, we start in Medias Res with a race riot between blacks and Jews instigated by a non-lethal bombing spree. Then we rewind the action to an RPG session among Virgil's friends at the local hangout, where homophobic slurs are mere clowning. Milestone is good at the long game, planting seeds for later turns of events. There was a brief moment in the previous issue where Virgil tuned out around a girl named Daisy Watkins. He'd unintentionally agreed to a date, then dismissed the idea to his friends within her earshot. Word comes over the radio about the Temple Beth Adonai attack, which is where Frida goes, but she's out of town. Between Static and the united front of Rabbi and Reverend, tensions de-escalate. Static is invited to a peace rally to speak and offer protection and is into it. There's actual support for Commando X in both the Black and Muslim communities, targeting white structures of oppression. Virgil points out to an gas-free at school, Jewish control of the media, and unwillingness to share with Blacks. The 90s of this book is incredible sometimes. A bombing at Virgil's school puts all of the kids' lives in danger, less from the fire than the stampede to avoid it. Discreet use of electromagnetic powers helps mitigate the problems. Later, at the rally, Static contends with dozens of explosive volleyballs? Static and aluminum folded chairs save the rally, and the very talkative Commando X gives up enough information to help Virgil track him down through newspaper op-eds and public access cable rants. Static uses these clues to help save a police precinct from a bombing. Virgil's friends counter his Jewish media conspiracy with one about black domination of music and sports, making him rethink. Virgil also makes up with Daisy and sets up a new movie date for that night. Too bad his sister recognizes X apartment layout on TV and Virgil visits. Virgil gets caught staking out the apartment and poses as a fan. Howell, Commando X Rice, tries to compel Virgil to call in a bomb threat for him, but Static sneaks out to save City Hall and later a TV station. Static records evidence against the terrorist and casts Commando X's hands in cement to prevent his charging any other objects into bombs. Virgil and Frida's parents independently stage interventions to discuss African American slash Jewish race relations. Frida also calls on Daisy to smooth things over with an for why Virgil ditched her again blessedly saving us from a Peter Parker moment the static comic wisely stays in its own lane for the shadow war
4: milestone comics first major crossover event taking place in all four of their launch titles a war breaks out between two influential but clandestine super teams the shadow cabinet and star chamber each claim that only they can save the world from an upcoming quantum juice incident and that the opposing team is set on causing a global tragedy this event marked the first full appearance and debut zero Issues of Zombie and the Shadow Cabinet.
3: It's a teen action comedy, with Virgil forced to help Frida with a house party and Static securing it against armed hoods. After battling the botanist and a compulsion for plant puns, 50 50 outcome,
4: Static is groomed by Plus. A flirty, frosty haired East Indian girl with flight and force field abilities. And. Funnel, spelled F-U-N-Y-L. A scrawny, nerdy white boy who teleports. He
3: initially joins the chamber, but only the fortitious Plus helps with the party crashers. It probably didn't help that Funnel had bugged the Star Badge the Star Chamber had given Static. Oh, and Daisy catches Virgil with Plus. Oops. While at the mall shopping for shoes, Static busts a boosting ring that includes Virus, a homeless special needs kid who can divide into ever smaller duplicates of himself. Virgil gets his kicks, and the kid goes to a shelter. The late John Paul Leon isn't everybody's favorite, but it's not on static work for the book, and he'll be missed. His first replacement was Brian Kalin O'Connell, who did little work in comics. He had a swell style similar to Chris Sprose, but left for animation at Disney slash Pixar. In a two-parter, Virgil finally sets a date with Daisy, who was already two-timing her aesthetic, static with a not-so-secret Bang Baby admirer. Virgil got his sister fired and reclaimed his old job, while Frida checked out the gang's homemade comics. Wilfred, sometimes credited with his surname Santiago, auditions as permanent Replacement with issue number 11 of Static, and it's not great. Static gets beaten by and wins a rematch against Puff and Coil, all while moonlighting on a concert date with Daisy. Tired tropes. I'm not enjoying this at all. Next is another filling issue from Kurt music with Neil Vokes about a bang baby trying to escape gang life, but is extorted into fighting Static. Very Peter Parker. Very on my nerves. Opted to just skim this issue. Wolfred returns for another ugly, hard to follow story where Virgil is a terrible, and deceitful boyfriend while Frida. And enables him. This would involve some sort of serpent person with weird headache-inducing dialogue that's part of a conspiracy against Static. Also, crossover setup. Static is involved in the final chapter of the DC Milestone Superman family crossover, Worlds Collide. He's essential to the ending of that story and I don't have the time in this episode to really get into that. So we'll save that. Huh,
2: well, I guess you're wondering, what's with the costume? well i um don't sweat it boy i knew you were static when i first met you What you did yep feel the electrical field around you whoa how'd you do that because i have a secret identity too this will help you recognize me you're the lone ranger no boy it's me soul power what and you're gonna take me with you to that museum Oh man, are you tripping? Why would I do a whack thing like that? Because if you don't, I'll tell all my friends I met a real superhero today, Virgil Hawkins. No way. You can't blackmail me. You're not going, and that's final. <laughs> are you sure you won't fall? Of course not. Heck, in my day, I got around by surfing the power lines.
0: They had electricity in your day?
2: Don't be flipped, Sparky.
0: Please don't call me Sparky. Hey, how'd you get to be a superhero anyway?
2: It all started in the early 60s. I was just a normal cat until I got in the way of some thugs that wanted to trash Hoover Dam. Transformer Blue giving me the power of 10 turbines. I fought all sorts of scum in my day
1: or it Milestone Milestone characters which is another line of books that I did read I mean they're not Image but they were DC but Static Shock because of the cartoon kind of made me want to go out there to find back issues of um Static and Blood Syndicate and all of them I didn't read a, a whole line but Static Shock was the one I was more interested about the book counterpart because the cartoon I got a good idea how that worked I was trying to see what characters from the 90s like the 93 comic was it I believe and, so yeah yeah, 93 to like 96 you know I was like busy like before I even delved dive. Wikipedia I was busy just going like okay that character Rubber Band Man he's in the comic Brick House she was from Blood Syndicate she was I was getting excited at time because I'm thinking I didn't see very many black heroes and black villains all one show you know one animated show which I wish that show could have had more going for it in the character which to this day when I watch the Black Lightning TV show I feel like you could easily put static in here I know these two have nothing their powers are not the same but they could almost be like a Batman beyond type situation where you know Jefferson Pierce could mentor Virgil yeah that's that's another thing the new Fifty Two screwed up. It was Static Shock who had like a short run, and I barely even bought it because at the time I was hearing about all the drama going on with Scott Lobdell and then the other writer who was like one of the OGs at, at Wildstorm. You might know who I'm talking about. I don't know if you do. Which book? It was um Static Shock. No, oh, it was, was
3: Lobdell writing the Static Shock book? I didn't realize.
1: Um, I think he written it before or okay, later, because I know Static Scott
3: McDaniel Shock. drew it, but I don't even remember who wrote it when they did the 15- Fifty Two version. Of,
1: um, I'm trying to think of his name: John Washington Irving. I think it might have been somebody else. But I think Scott Lobdell was, was writing it on its tailwind before it just, just vanished. Because at the time I was excited when that happened. Oh, New 52. Hey, Static, he hasn't had a book in a long time. Because pre-New 52. They had it with the Teen Titans. During when Jeff Johns was, um, I think he was even out. Of, he was trying to write other characters after Titans. Because once again, Titans I got into because of the cartoon. And It's messed up how DC gets me. It's like, I watch their animated stuff. I get excited. And then I read the comic stuff. And I'm like, this should be about as good as the cartoon cartoon stuff, I just watched. And with Static, I'm thinking, he's a, he's an awesome character, because I didn't care about Black Lightning back then. And when I did, my only recollection of him was a pastiche of him, not pastiche. Analog? Like I, huh? Analog, you talking about Black Vulcan? Yeah, Analog, Black Vulcan, which I thought was lame, because he didn't wear any pants, and he was a joke joking Harvey Birdman.
2: State your name for the record, Black, Black Vulcan. Vulcan. Uh, Mr. Vulcan, tell us about your superpower. Pure electricity. Ooh. In my pants. Oh, my. Sorry, man. Tell us, what would life be like without your powers? Well, you know how it is when the power goes out in your house? It would be like that, only in your pants. Indeed. Your witness. Isn't it true that the reason you left the Super Friends is because you were fired? Why? They said it was some sort of budget thing. But I think it's because I complained that they are always pairing me up with a white Super Friend. Like I was gonna start super-looting the minute they weren't watching. And you think I named myself Black Vulcan? Hell no. I used to go by Super Vulcan. Black Vulcan was Aquaman's idea. And I said, well, maybe we should just call you Whitefish.
3: There was a, a humor magazine called Deep Fried, Jason Yonbluth fit, where he did a, a joke basically making fun about how they treated Black Vulcan and, and how he was sort of like, sort of an embarrassment. And I think in the end, they make him do like Pikachu cosplay or something like that. The lack of pants did not do that man any favors.
1: Hey, as well, when I look at that character, even when I was a kid, I'm like, this guy's lame. Yeah, there was static shock. I already mentioned him because of his cartoon. Like I said, Black Lightning was that weird blind spot and even before the show came out I'm going like well, why isn't he in the D-? even I'm trying to think he might have been a character I didn't like but why wasn't he in the DCAU if you're going to put a character that people should have more eyes on even I know they had Jon Stewart doing his thing on Justice League that's another character I, I like from that cartoon because once again it's like the animated DC, the animated versions of all the DC character, black characters I don't know for some reason they came off a bit more authentic than just comics were like in the 70s they, the 70s I, I don't even want to go back and read that stuff I, what, what a little bit I did read because I felt like it just it is like they're all trying to do chef but doing it wrong
3: that's actually one of the issues because you brought up the milestone characters and we know for a fact that the milestone creators own those characters Dwayne McDuffie's estate and all of the, the other partners that are involved with the milestone they all have a piece of that and because <laughs> mm-hmm. they have a piece of that and DC has a piece of that DC mm-hmm. doesn't let them do what they want to do with it and they don't and DC doesn't want to pay for them to get, get a piece of the pie and so that's why those characters lay fallow and mm-hmm. when you're talking about Black. Lightning. They cut a deal in the 70s. It was the weirdest thing, because I I don't know how Tony Isabella managed to work this out, but he Mm -hmm. managed to get a piece of Black Lightning back in the 70s, and he's always had a piece. To this day, he still has a piece. Now, I think he worked out something sometime in the 2000s where he maybe doesn't have as big of a piece, so they would Mm -hmm. support the character more, Um, Mm -hmm. but he still gets money. He's still getting paid off the TV show. He's one of the only creators that that happens with, and for the longest time, DC dragged their feet on doing anything with Black Lightning, including excluding Mm -hmm. him from Super friends and having him replaced by Vulcan just so they wouldn't have yeah. to pay Tony Isabella
1: and it also they did the same thing in Justice League Unlimited They made like a character from a pastiche of like the super friends of minority characters speaking of Dwayne McDuffie he
3: wrote that episode and it was all I assume because I, I think that Hanna-Barbera owns the characters they created for super friends and so again they didn't want to license them even though it's stupid because Warner owns all of it but I guess one hand didn't want to pay the other hand and yeah. so they had to use those analogs for that one episode it's great or was it like I think it was a two-parter and it, yeah, it was really called
1: the ultimate on justice league unlimited when i watched that episode last night it struck me again like okay they got faux black lightning they don't got real black lightning they got faux black lightning who is faux well, black vulcan again you know because once again Bruce McMahon, they were trying to be smarter below like, what's
2: the point of this we'll never find cadmus or a cure it's hopeless then what we just die and let them replace us no one ever knows we were here that we mattered i say we just bring the whole building down Right on top of us. Don't give up hope yet, Downpour. We've got friends in high places. You idiot. Do you really think that they can help us? Whatever's going on, we'll do everything in our power to- Yes, power. That's what it always comes down to, doesn't it? And that's the only way we'll ever be remembered. If we're the ones who take down the Justice League, the world will never forget us. Listen to yourself. You're not making any sense. You're getting sicker. Translation? They're afraid to face us. No! As a man said, you're either with us or against us.
1: We do have Black Lightning's villain, who's also a merge of Huntress's villain. I'm trying to think, his name was Stephen Mandragore, even though he was supposed to be Tobias Whale. And if you look at the character and you do a little cross reference, oh, okay, this is Tobias Whale, but with hair, but voiced by Glenn Shandix, who was like on Demolition Man and other stuff and Beetlejuice. You know, the big heavyset guy. Okay. And I did a little digging on that because I always find it kind of interesting on that episode.
3: <laughs> I derailed you on Black Lightning, so do you want to circle back to that? Let's circle back to that.
2: Pray at night for the helpless, hoping you get us through breakfast. Wishing somebody come save us. Black lightning's back, come to shock the haters No lie, seen him with my own eyes. Electric shocking guys, put them all in line. About time somebody came down here and dealt with crime Not just the gangsters, the police is out of line So it's no trust, they don't understand our trouble I don't know him myself, but do we come from struggle? Cause I'm like no superheroes around here bruh I'm like he gotta be one of that. We pray at night for the helpless Hoping you get us through breakfast Wishing somebody come save us Black life is back, come to shock the haters
3: Okay, so main event? Let's get to the main event. This all came out of Twitter and you were reading the 1994 series, 1994 oh, series?
1: 1995, Nine, okay. Black Lightning, Brick City Blues.
3: Yeah, and I I did read the, the first few issues of the book when it was coming out, but the fact is I have a small notoriety for my exceptional disdain for Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. I deeply dislike this character. And in fact, when I, I expressed that dislike at great length, as I want to do, in the commentary for an episode of the Secret Origins podcast, Ryan Daily host, he said that it broke him. And that mm. for, for at least a brief moment, he no longer wanted to podcast as a result of all the hateful words I had to say about Black Lightning. I'm listening. <laughs> okay. I have no use for Black Lightning. Black Panther debuted 11 years earlier by single-handedly defeating the entire Fantastic Four and his first solo strips six years earlier battling Dr. Doom and had been headlining a solo title for four years before Jefferson Pierce showed up. Luke Cage, Marvel's version of contemporary African-American film and novel star Sha released the 42nd issue of his solo series the month Black Lightning released his first issue of a whopping 11 total. If you combine the total number of books under the title Black Lightning, you would have about two-thirds of the run of one volume of Shadow Man. An African-American character you probably forgot existed until I just reminded you. As you guys mentioned, but I mean to reframe in the worst possible way, Black Lightning was DC's typical, clueless, mayonnaise-on-white-bread version of a Marvel exploitation character produced years after that was even a thing anymore. hence Luke Cage teaming up with Iron Fist after the Chop fad wound down to last for another nine years as a duo. I grew up in a barrio, so I was effectively a minority in my neighborhood, and white boys like me had to hang tight with everybody who wasn't Latino. Most of my best friends up until junior high were black and comic book fans, which meant we disproportionately favored Marvel's black heroes, including G.I. Joe thanks to Stalker and Roadblock, in our collecting. As a comic book retailer, I found that this was not an uncommon story. As black fans, a decade or more older than me could only find themselves in Marvel Comics since all DC had to offer was Teen Titans. Admittedly, they looked on Black Lightning more favorably than I ever did but we still bust on him for his lame costume and afro mask and it's not like he was a going concern at the time. I don't remember ever selling anyone a back issue of Outsiders except maybe out of a quarter bin. I did collect the first few issues of the 90s series when they were coming out because the house ads and his new costume were tight. I still have the Total Justice action figure. However, I dropped the book pretty quick for the same reason. same reason. I passed on the recently solicited trade Tony Isabella he seems like a nice enough guy and I've enjoyed some of his work especially on Hawkman but I frankly think he's a cancer on Black Lightning it's funny because he was in a war of words with Trevor Von Eden who claimed the lion's share of the credit for the character's creation to me from the visuals to the powers of the stories Black Lightning would be best served getting the Julie Schwartz treatment chucking everything but the name and starting over from scratch except I'm not sure the name is worth keeping Black Vulcan has a better power set a more impressive look and wider audience recognition thanks to super friends Isabella may have struck a blow for creator's rights but he did not help the cause by exerting them in such a way that DC avoided utilizing the character further Isabella's stories were weak and Jefferson Pierce's abilities and adversaries were relatively small scale so really why bother propping up an early and ongoing failure It's only a legal headache Cyborg's a more viable character anyway Peter Parker is a boy who learns a hard lesson in civil responsibility when an armed robber who he's under no obligation to imperil himself by interfering with as a part-time entertainer and student ironically slays his beloved uncle. Meanwhile, Jefferson Pierce is an Olympic-level athlete and college-educated professor being oriented in his new teaching position who takes it upon himself to assault a drug dealer as his first recourse in addressing a local drug problem that he has no authority over, which results in the death of one of his students. 100% our hero's fault. The same hero who is assigned a new name, costume, and powers by some white dude he knows who merely gives him everything extraordinary about him beyond his physical prowess. What the fudge? Oh, but hey, don't feel bad because Mr. Black Lightning will up and fail to rescue his white savior from being gunned down just like he failed Earl Clifford because all the young fanboys clamor for ineffectual lightweight heroes who manage feared victories against the same few underwhelming villains issue after issue. I have no use for Black Lightning because he's part of the problem. He's got a two-on-the-nose name and a minstrel costume with generic quali-powers who forces the JLA to go slumming for an issue so they can have a contrived argument about race before he refused membership, so nobody has to actually deal with the issues raised while still patting themselves on the back. He operates at a lower level than most heroes, with a fabricated quasi-realism that's merely an excuse to recycle salacious urban blight tropes, who is basically designed to fail, by conscious intention or otherwise, so that pundits can point out that black heroes don't sell. Let's see, Spawn was a multimedia empire because Spawn was a high-quality commercial book, for its time, with a truly empowered African-American hero. Black Panther and Luke Cage never never set any sales records, but they're beloved, iconic black heroes with long and well-regarded runs on their belts. And Black Lightning is stuffing shrimp down his pants at Superman's funeral. The thing about Black Lightning is I would see house ads for him when I was a kid. The 70s one where he'd put on the Afro wig and mask, just right off the bat, oh, it's a problem. The costume's a problem, the V-neck's a problem. But my main issue with him is Jefferson Pierce, he's supposed to be an Olympic level athlete. He's highly college educated, you know, he gets a hold of the belt, he gives them the lightning powers. And what does he do? He he goes back into the hood, and is basically like a street-level vigilante who tases people with his energy belt. <laughs> it's created by a white guy, and it seems like there's a black dude who goes back to the hood to tell all these black kids to pull their pants up. It's who Jefferson Pierce is to me. He's the, like the Bill Cosby of superheroes. He's got a <laughs> sh- power. Well, I mean, at least he eternalized it finally. In the old days, he was just a belt. He's not a world-class fighter. He's not a Lady Shiva. He's not a bronze tiger. It's he's not just- even the
1: question, right?
3: Yeah, he's like, he maybe question level. He's got a series that lasted short, a very short amount of time in the 70s. Comes How way many too issues? late. What, like eight to 11 somewhere in there? Oh, well, I don't know. I'll immediately rethink buying the trade. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he fights the kingpin for the most part is all he's got. He comes way too late. What does Black Lightning go on to do? He doesn't become a super friend because huh? he's not worth paying for. So they give him Black Vulcan instead. He becomes a member of Batman the Outsiders, one of the worst superhero teams to ever exist. Okay. <laughs> so the Justice League shows up in his town and they're like, Hey, you want to be our token hire to the Justice League? and he's like no there's no reason they were there besides to try to bring in a little color to the team and so he gets to turn them down because reasons because <laughs> because frankly he's not at the same level as them and so it's like when you've got people like Green Lantern Jon Stewart and Vixen who do eventually join the Justice League who are much more I'll impressive characters, <laughs> and, 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 and have had less opportunities particularly in the case of Vixen to show how impressive they are but are still so much more impressive than this dude I got more to say but I figured that we're going to kind of jump off on some of this as we go along <laughs>
1: well, I like um, the way you to be up there, and like, I never, <laughs> okay, okay, see, so. I almost thought the same thing you did. I okay. mean, except it was different because I'm like, well, be- Black Lightning and Black Vulcan. When I first saw Black Vulcan, I'm like, okay, this guy, this guy looks lame. I mean, no pants, you know, it's a leotard with like a lightning strip on it with the two little lightning bunny ear things. I'm like, uh, am I supposed to like this guy? I I can't take him seriously. And like you were saying about the '70s version, right? I think I saw a parody of that on um Static Shock, a character called Soul Power. Once again, in my brain, I'm thinking, okay, so is he supposed to be Static Shock's pre? Predecessor. Because the stack shock was cooler because you know he's yeah, he's a kid from the hood, but at the same time he's smart and he ain't, he ain't a stereotype. Whereas in Black lightning, like you were saying, it's this contradiction where, okay, so you won an Olympic gold medal, you're trying to get the pushers off the street, which the 95 version that I read, I wouldn't say it's like a rehash, I mean a reimagining of the 70s version, but like as a gritty 90s reinterpretation. But a lot of what you said, that's a little bit of what I saw in the trade I read. And nothing wrong with that, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, and then I remember I watched show recently because i think i started last year where i'm like hey, i know about this character but he was just he was just a blind spot because luke cage i mean i heard like when this show came out i knew about him doom give me my money honey and then brian bendis writing that character because i saw him on new avengers and stuff or the black lightning it's like i didn't even know to just it like, came to him about like we want to put you on our team as i was reading the 95 virgin i read the introduction where tony isabella was talking about how dc in the 90s wanted him to come back to write the character and he did like a lot of research in the ohio inner city because yeah, I'm going to be writing about Black Lightning again. I want to be more authentic for the 90s in Cleveland. And he was talking about a little place called Brick City, rundown in like, the 70s and 80s. He's he trying to really do stuff where it didn't come across like he was trying to redo the 70s. He changed the costume up some. It started to win me off because my preconception was just like yours. This character's kind of lame. I, being black, of course, I'm going like, I don't need another Bill Cosby, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, I get it, I know, don't do drugs. I'm going to go fight the drug pushers. But at the same time, also, I'm a to but I know in the show they made him a principal because that's how I kind of got into this recently because I was binge watching like seasons one through four of it on the CW I I you know, got season one on uh, on DVD and even there I, that's the same vibe I got from the character even though they do elude it no he was Black Lightning before the beginning of the show Rather than the comic book it mirrors the show a little bit like the 95 one that I'm reading where well, I was Black Lightning in my early days and then Gamby died and this woman died and then my wife left me and then okay I was with Batman and the Outsiders and then when the Outsiders broke apart I was going into a funk I was depressed that's another thing by the way I got a Wayne Foundation grant so then I can be a teacher or whatever you know but I read I'm thinking it's almost like if you would have did this if you would put this first part in the show they probably wouldn't want to connect it to Batman but in a way I almost consider like after for a little bit of reading I did do about his prior exploits before I read the uh, Brick City I'm like okay he hung around Batman a lot another character I feel like well you could have put him on Batman animated series if you really wanted to get him out there and say an animation in like 93 94 you know but some till the Bruce Taylor them Even passed up Black Lightning because of that, or it might have been rights issues. But as I read uh, Brick City Blues, that's the vibe I was getting. I mean, because also I've been watching The Wire, so a lot of that came into me as I was reading it. Because not to say the show is like The Wire, but the way Tobias is acting on that show in the comic book it, it parallels like Kingpin a little bit and a little bit of Stringer Bell. Well, what a Stringer Bell was albino and had super strength. Tony Isabella to trying to do Black Daredevil, except with electrical powers. He's not Frank Miller, but the first four issues I'll say had that grit to him, like what Miller would do because he was fighting Painkiller and like for the show they gave Painkiller a backstory whereas in comic I read he just showed up on the scene he talks about his powers a little bit he's just a hired enforcer Painkiller in the show looks way different than the Painkiller in the comic even though the one in the show I like because okay I get it he used to be a student at Garfield alright well Lady Eve hired Tobias Well to put a hit on like some reverend and him and Cyanide and Joey Toledo were there to to do the hit and they hired some guy first to, to do a sniper hit and then Black Lightning came down and saved the guy from getting shot by putting like force shield but Tobias was like disappointed and was going on like no 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 like these black people want to go to heaven but none of them want to die so he has cyanide get a gun shoot the reverend in the chest but it also paralyzes this kid named Khalil who later on become painkiller which in a way Tobias will in the show at least created painkiller by cybernetic enhancements to get him to walk again and give him some metahuman ability to paralyze people like he does in the comics except it's with darts and by seasons three and four they do it like he has a split personality in his brain after Tobias had ripped out his spine and then brought him back so I don't know the show did a lot better with the character than when he initially appeared I don't know I mean Black is just an odd character after reading that whole 13 issue run even though the first four, five, it gave me just like, well, what if Daredevil was not blind, black, a teacher, an athlete, busting up all the drug gangs, had like a, not like a informant named Beagle, working with a detective, and he's not in the show, in the show they got Henderson, who I'm guessing was like a nod and a wink to Black Lightning as Metropolis days, because they didn't do anything fantastical. All I lot like the movie Dangerous Minds, remember that, Coolio doing that song, because in a way I was almost like listening to like Buster Rhymes when I was reading this, I'm like, yeah, Buster Rhymes could have made a cameo in this, or back then Buster Rhymes could have been Painkiller, if they would have done the show back then.
3: I wonder about the rationale for the creation of the early 90s Black Lightning series. Black Lightning had been the Batman of the Outsiders. I don't recall, I don't think he was in the Outsider series that came out in the early 90s, where they tried to revamp the team. He wasn't in that one. No, I didn't think so, yeah. And so, I think what happened is they looked at Milestone, the initial members of the Milestone books were, were pretty damn good. We were talking with Michael Bailey about this not so long ago, about how a lot of the image kids had grown up or in, in the age of rap and the explosion of, of rap and music and in culture, and how that was what was cool to them, and so they were emulating what was cool. And so mm-hmm. I think that there was a, a, a DC looked at that and went, You know, black is cool, and we don't have a lot of black <laughs> stuff in our line, and we're subsidizing Milestone, but we only get a piece of Milestone. We should have some of this stuff of our own, and I think that might have helped to inspire the creation of Steel, who's an awesome character. I love
1: Steel. He was awesome. Oh, yeah, he was voiced by Michael Dorn in the Superman animated yeah. series.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <He> and, <voiced> <laughs> <callback>. <laughs> and, and I think that that's probably why they were like, You know, we need to. I, I think that they had kept. Tony Zabella at arm's length for a long time since about the mid 80s I think they are like okay well let's go ahead and bring the creator back and let's try to do a legit relaunch of this but give it that milestone flavor
1: the art in this does make me strongly think about milestone because of the way Eddie Newell draws stuff Inca Ron McCann, like does all the finishes in the colors by Matt Hollingsworth and Joshua Meyer and Chris Mathias and Robbie Bush in a way like the first four issues really made me think well Static could almost make a cameo in here right I can see him in the background buzzing by it. It didn't happen in the issue, but my brain clicked. You could almost cross this over with Static, or you could make it a blood syndicates like busting into Brick City looking at art. That's exactly my first thought. You know, you could have easily done Black Lightning meets Static Shock before they did it later on, like in the 2000s, where Static and Lightning meet for the first time in continuity. I'm glad Dwayne McDuffie created it, along with Dennis Cowan and all them. You know, when I read those books, it still feels new, whereas when I'm reading Black Lightning, it feels like, well, you guys looked at what was over at Milestone over there, and maybe you, you know, sweet. We'd talk Tony Isabella like, you know, you want to do the light lightning again, but we had this idea, and I don't know if that's what was going on. I'm, I'm probably talking up my ass, but he also has those image isms a little bit, like painkiller having big muscles and you know, having like the ninja boots on. and He doesn't have very many big guns or anything, but you know, he has blades in his own dreadlocks, and you know, he uses that as a weapon, which the one in the show didn't. But the one in the book, though, he's just jacked, <laughs> even though he only lasted like two issues, he didn't come back after that. He looked a little bit like Holocaust from Milestone a little bit, you know, painkiller did. And there's just, there's just a lot of thoughts I got on it when I was looking at it. And then him being a teacher, I'm thinking, well, Jefferson Pierce could have easily been Virgil Hawkins' teacher. Virgil would have said, oh, you're kind of corny and whatever. Didn't know either the two were superheroes. This comic's in a neighborhood. His classroom gets me- messed up in issue two. So they're out there in a gymnasium. He's out there teaching class like that. But when I was reading the character, I was thinking, well, Keith David, if just animated, Keith David could have done, like, the voice. Because when I look at the 90s version, I'm thinking, that would have worked. If he didn't do Spot, he would have done Black Lightning. He probably would have made it cooler. given. I had anything with Keith... David is instantly cooler. I mean, that guy voiced Spawn, right? Like, spawn as a black character is an interesting one because at least they didn't try to just like when they did the live at least the live action and animated, they didn't try to switch it. Well, he's black in the comic, but he's played by a white guy in the film. It's like, no, we're using black actors, we're having black actors. We're having Michael Jaw White on the live action, we're having Keith David for the animated, and Keith David playing up the animated more serious than Jaw White did with the, the, with the live action movie. But when I look at like this version of Black Lion, he could have been played by those two actors if they would have done a movie or whatever way back when off the 95 version.
3: I think that the Milestone similarity was very intentional. I think they used the same kind of paper, that same kind of colors and color palette. It had that sort of, it wasn't as watercolory as the uh, Milestone stuff, but it, it definitely had a similar palette to it. I don't think that Eddie Newell and Dennis Cowan are that far apart in terms of their styles. I
1: mean, if I didn't notice was Eddie Newell looking at it, I would have thought it was Dennis Cowan. You
3: can see a, a number of influences in his art, but I think Cowan's definitely in there. So that just gives you that Milestone parallel all the more.
1: I mean, I am expecting Stan they just buzzed by you know i'm expecting blood syndicate to give black lightning some trouble like him fighting brick house and once again holocaust and hot streak and all those guys basically the rogues gallery of the cartoon popping up and him and static got a team up to fight both of them so the more i read like he's got to do with like the commissioner the mayor doesn't like him which is another thing which i liked about this at least the 90s version that i read where the mayor's like i don't want any mask in my town we can do just fine without him yeah we got a gang problem but also we got a stadium we're putting up the Insular characters basically dissatisfaction with, with the um, urban rear urban renewal you know um gentrification lots of stuff like that some old houses getting torn down and stuff in a way that's why i see the wire comes in because i can easily see like the mayor being played by the guy that voiced by the guy if it was animated like the guy to play clay davis that's who the mayor kind of reminded me of but i could just hear him go she Maybe Tobias Woke, well, instead of being played by the guy he was, he could have been played by Idris Elba. But voice wise, they could have done it.
3: This is one of the issues I have with black lighting. Is you're mentioning Keith David, and to me, he <laughs> was always more of a Blair Underwood. A oh, Blair Underwood?
1: Yeah, you that's that's so? what I picture with Jefferson Pierce. Yeah. I can see by looking at him. But voice wise, they say in his electrical form, I'm thinking Keith David, though. Oh, Even he's though my porn had already done steel.
3: Yeah, he's got to do some kind of alteration of the voice. I was not a big DC guy in the mid 90s, or at least I was be, uh, before the mid 90s, I should say. And I started coming in hard on DC in, during Zero Hour in 94. Really 93 and 92 too because I was getting in slowly with the Titans and then Reign of Superman. So by 95 I was actually really starting to ramp up as a DC guy and they were running those house ads with the Eddie Newell art and mm. Black Lightning got that new costume that with the, like the red and the yellow I think was in the mix, right? Yeah,
1: red, yellow. And the, yeah. The, red, the red looks a little burgundy.
3: Yeah. And I thought he looked really cool. I liked the artwork. Eddie Newell had drawn the Man of Steel annual that's oh, part that. of Bloodlines. Yeah. And that was Good looking and he, he'd gotten better in the like years since and so it's like okay i want to try this book out you know this looks really cool this is look and i, I feel like there's a good jumping on point a guy can actually get on to number one uh, one of the problems i had with milestone is they're trying to make me buy an entire universe from scratch and I, that was just like a lot to ask of me so with black lightning it's like okay i, can, I can get this one book and and feel okay and so i bought it for the first few issues and like i said i like the artwork i thought the costume design was great but the story just seemed kind of boring one thing that bugs me i know that you know you got a lot of liberal White writers who are well intentioned, but you tell them come up with a black character and it's always got to be street level inner city. And it's like, I give them credit for actually getting some representation out there, but Mm -hmm. they always go to that same freaking place with it. You know, like you can't really have a fantasy, you can't really have horror, you can't have sci fi. It's always got to be, let me do a street level guy in the inner city. It was kind of more of that, and that was a real drag for me at the time. But I've got to tell you, that costume, they made an action figure of that costume for the Justice League
1: on um, a website called Figure Room and I think, I think two weeks ago somebody on Twitter when we was talking about like action figures from Kenner and stuff they showed me a picture of the action figure and I'm thinking okay um, Black Lightning oh him again <laughs> but I'm also like well wow, the action figure looks pretty boss that, so, that is the
3: best action figure in that line that is the best skull he's I got I mean I
1: like, because of we what it was I started off talking about Steel because once you know, again they had to like Steel figures for that movie with Shaquille O'Neal but then they diverted over to Black Lightning because like oh yeah, remember, did you, did you ever see this figure? And I think, nah, i seen it on his website, I never actually owned it. And I know they did like a DC Universe, Arrowverse version of the character now, that's played by Chris Williams. Even that costume, I'm, I looked at that and go, that's it's a bit too much, you know? <laughs> Versus the 95 costume, I'm like, no, nah, that should have been the show.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, 100%, because the costume design has a very image quality, like you mentioned. It looks mm-hmm. like Wildstorm. Kind of reminds me of guys like Heatwave and mm-hmm. Spartan. But I actually mm-hmm. think his costume is much better. The color combination is much better. The face sculpt on the figure was excellent. He doesn't have the most dynamic pose because it's just him. He, one of his hands is more of like a fist. The other one's an open hand. But you can see him casting the electricity. And I think he actually came with snap-on electrical bolts. It's the yeah, best sculpt you know, of the too. entire line. It looks. I, I own that figure despite my misgivings about the character just because <laughs> he was such a good sculpt. I've always wanted to see that dude, the dude that I perceived from... I like, too, that he didn't wear a mask, especially I didn't like that he didn't wear a, a wig, but I like that he didn't wear a mask, in that series, if I remember correctly, he used the electricity, like, it was erupting from his eyes, and that was what concealed his identity,
1: and so I he was going to have When I was reading it, I noticed it, and I'm like, it is a step up from the show a little bit, where he has that, you know, that visor goggle thing going on, where I'm like, you know, when I read this, I'm like, well, he didn't need that, he could just glow lightning, because he can do that, you can glow lightning, I'm sure with special effects for a television series, you can't do that much, you can't overdo the special effects to a point where it costs a lot of money just to obscure his features or just lightning. But from when I look at this, I'm like, it, like lightning in 95, at least I'm like, he can move. He can blend into the shadows. He doesn't like, well, if he did get hit or get stabbed or get punched, the leather would absorb the impact or whatever, right? Depending if it's like a non-conductive thing he got going on. Because, you know, the collar does make me think of um, Spartan from Wildcats. The biker gloves also make me think of one of the X-Men characters. You know, he looked like he could have rode, mo- rode a motorcycle. And I know in the show they make him fly, but on here I couldn't tell if they made him fly or not. No,
3: I don't think so. I think he internalized the electrical power while he was a member of the Outsiders. So I think during once the, the series invasion. starts, he's creating it himself, right?
1: Yeah. So during it was during the invasion, like when. Oh yeah, Jane the meta gene. You're right. Yeah. Also, what happened to Crazy Jane and Doom Patrol? Which I noticed that a lot with these, like the stuff before the bloods. The what was that one? Blood Bloodlines? Bloodline parasites came about. Made Hitman, who was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tommy Monahan, but the rest of them, well, you know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I, The trigger of the metagene is such a great shortcut to just, like, we're not going to go and do a big origin thing.
1: We're not doing magic. Right. Because you can learn magic, right, in the DC universe. And, uh, yeah, you can make a device that can simulate electricity. But what if it was already in you to begin with? But Or oh, we got these bloodline parasites. That's a whole other kettle of fish. But I saw that in here, and I was thinking about you when I saw yeah. this. I'm thinking, oh, wait, this is like a big old snapshot of the DC universe circa 1995. Because you got to think, it didn't mention Zero Hour, which I'm surprised it didn't because, you know, Jefferson's wife was on, Jefferson's wife, Lynn, Lynn Stewart, who out in my head, can't she's John Stewart's sister, right? But she was crisis period, like, you know, every year something bad happens, and, um, you know, either we get better or we get worse. Like, she was mentioning, like, the coast, like, Korak getting nuked, you know, the country that Cheshire nuked one time. Teen Titan or the Titans, you you know who that is. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, I, I was buying Deathstroke the Terminator when she nuked Korak. Roy Harper's ex-girlfriend baby mama blew up a country. Coast City got blown up by a mongrel, because it mentions that in here. So I'm like, okay, at least you're standing up with current events of the time, you know? Like, then the Bloodline Parasite's showing up, which made me think of that issue of Man of Steel that I got, the annual. So I'm like, well, Aiden is like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm at least gonna mention where I come from, where I came from, if nothing else. And then they showed the death of Superman and while Lynn was talking to Jeff in the hospital. Oh yeah, his name is Jeff. My name is Jeff. I hope I'm not lame. But I don't know, like I said, I was reading that part because what happened was, like, while I was reading this comic, like he got shot in one issue when one of his co-workers tried to save him from getting shot. Him and And another student named Jamal or something from getting shot by this girl who's like a gang member of some group called the Brothers Who Rule or something. He was like in the hospital. He was recovering from his injuries, but was feeling guilty about everything. So it made me think about Daredevil. You know, Black Lightning is like, well, my life sucks. My wife, yes, she'll come and see me, but we're not together. Like in the show, in the show, she's like, well, I can't be with you if you're gonna always be Black Lightning. You enjoy being Black Lightning more than you just being a teacher or being a principal. You know, why don't you just be a regular person? Where in this, I can see why this would bother her to some degree. Where it's like, I care about you, and I know I hate to see shot up like this and stuff, but you gotta give this a rest. You don't gotta keep doing it. Which, in the show and in this comic, I, once again, I see the parallels there. Except in this, he doesn't have his daughters, you know, since this was 1995. The children came later. But I guess after reading this, my head headcanon goes, well, maybe she does have the kids, she's just not telling them. Doesn't make Black Lantern look too good.
3: It's one thing when you're just abandoning your wife, or when you're abandoning your young daughters, that's a problem.
1: Which, when I read this, and then when I go back to watch the show, I'm like, I can see why the wife would have problems, but in the show, it's like he's raising both the daughters, instead of the wife raising the Daughters. I don't know if Isabella had anything to do with that, because I liked it funder, from her being in The Outsiders to Judd Winnick had did with Nightwing and them. I know that came later. Yeah, and I, 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 I know think that around... After right re- knowing all that now after reading this, it all puts a lot of it into perspective.
3: It was weird because they introduced Thunder in 2005, and I assume it's because they wanted to use The Outsiders name, but they didn't want to use the old Outsiders. And so, in order to have that connection, bring in a daughter that never existed before and let her be the member, and that also helps with representation because you don't have a lot of black heroines out there in DC. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I liked
1: her because her costume, he's in the show. They didn't, she had a latex outfit. It looked very much like her comic book 2000, and what was it? Five, four? I think so, yeah. Before they gave her the CW look, you know, with the yellow and the padding and the armor and all that, but I don't know, I kind of smiled a little bit because I'm thinking, well, that's kind of when I was kind of reading the Outsiders a little bit because Dick Grayson, you know, that's his team right since, well, Batman ain't doing it. His, Batman's hands are full with whatever, so Dick Grayson, here you have a team now. You got faux metamorpho you have Grace Chow which she was in the show but I know she came out at the same time so it was like I was aware of Black Lightning once again but it's like other people that were not him were doing things or Black Lightning didn't look like he was doing anything except he was like in the 2000s he was like um, when Lex Luthor got elected president he was like in charge of education or something right
3: right he was secretary of education when Lex Luthor was president around the year
1: always why that was kind of weird why Batman would do
3: that to him <laughs> well I think they set it up to where he was spying on the Luthor administration
1: by taking. I already knew who he was. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, and Amanda Waller would know who he is. So, any, once again, any moment he gets too close, she puts him on a suicide mission.
3: Overall, how did you feel about the collection? Well, the collection, it's interesting. It's,
1: I mean, I've never read this before, so for me, it was all very new. Since I didn't read it when it came out, I probably would have been jaded. So, for me, it was like, okay, it's kind of trying to be Wildstorm, but after me watching The Wire and stuff, that crept in. So, I'm thinking, okay, so, all right, now you got your meta humans, but you bring them in too late because you trying to focus on the gritty street drama and uh, Jefferson Pierce's personal angst even though he, he puts on a mask as the teacher like well I can't do any wrong and I'm an upright citizen all this stuff but in his personal life with Lynn, really tells the tale a little bit like yeah, he's devoted to being black lightning and, and he was with outsiders and in a way he was I don't know if Isabella said this or not but he said Bat- he was Batman's sidekick or something he said that recently if I'm right or, and I think I read it on his blog kind of see why when he was when he did this series he wanted to really not have Batman involved at all It would mention Gotham City but you read it to see Batman till the end of this but they always mention the Outsiders and stuff like that so they, they ignored his prior history because I was aware of all the other stuff but at the same time also it's like knowing what I know now about the character from the show I feel like this trade I read Brick City Blues kind of reinforces at least that vibe of the character versus if I would have started with the 70s or with the Outsider stuff I mean it's not bad I might read it again I, I want to talk a little bit
3: about Tony Isabella oh, man. he <laughs> helped
1: to save
3: Black Lightning from being something really wretched Tony Isabella developed the character from that point into something that wasn't completely abhorrent. And mm-hmm. my understanding, based on what Trevor on Von Eden has said, is that he's the one who designed the, the look of the character, designed the costume, and was the artist on the early issues. Isabella managed to cut some kind of a deal where he got a piece of the character. And he's always zealously guarded that piece. I think that's why he didn't get exploitation in an outside media as a right result of that, but it did mean that he got a piece. And since this was the first African-American character to star in a DC series that was monumental and it meant a lot to people, it's like, guy continued to have action in the 80s which helped keep him notable Isabella himself didn't write a ton of books he did some work for Marvel he had a controversial run on Ghost Rider where he was supposed to end up meeting Jesus and Jim Shooter when he became editor-in-chief put the Knicks on that right at the end of the storyline and so that's why he ended up quitting Marvel I think going to DC DC had him working on the Hawkman books in the 80s Shadow War of Hawkman was actually a pretty cool miniseries they tried to spend an ongoing out of that it wasn't as well received I think he either quit or got fired before that was over with and somebody else had to finish writing that series series he was pretty much gone from DC for the rest of the 80s they bring him back to do this Black Lightning revival as you notice he doesn't finish it because he gets fired again it seems like he's maybe has
1: antagonistic relationships with publishers they would have just I don't know I guess if DC was so much like well we want a black character and we want you to write the black character and this black character has potential to be very popular you think they would have given like the Alan Moore treatment I mean I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that he's like Alan Moore but I get he had well intentions but I know there's what he wants for the character and there's what DC wanted yeah he never agreed he
3: clearly has very strong opinions about what he wants for this character. And when that isn't received by DC the way he wants it to, then things seem to get blown up.
1: I noticed that though recently when I, you know, read about what Brian Hill was doing. Yeah. And Brian yeah. was trying to say, hey, don't go after this guy because if he's mad at me or what DC's doing. You know, don't do that. At the same time, like that guy was writing Black Lightning recently if I'm right, with the Outsiders. And I read on Isabella's blog going on about, I don't want Black Lightning to be Batman's black friend or something like that, you know, where I'm like, one part of my brain goes, well, Batman is a big character, right? Do you think that would put more eyes on your character? I guess well, that's where my brain goes, right? The cape tells, you know, of a famous character, right? And he's been associated with that character where well, you would take advantage of it. Would you You're getting a piece? I'm sure his integrity is more like, no, 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 no. It's going to it's gonna go like it was in the 80s and I can't be around for that. Which I also agree with him there. But I feel like, I noticed that with this series, I feel like the way it read, even though by issue 13, you could have done more. You could have at least had 50 issues. And that's another thing I know with black characters, at least at DC. I don't know about more, but DC is like, they start off good with a number one, but you if you're me, you're kind of going, like, well, are they going to get 100? Because, you know, I look at Static and go, that could have got 100 in this original run. Could have been celebrated book-wise, other media-wise, too. It Could have went down with Black Lightning, like when I was reading it. There's a lot of spots where, like, where Isabella was really like I, I set up this plot with Tobias, well, I want to finish it. And it never goes anywhere. DeVries doesn't want to do that. DeVries wants to show Black Lightning going after Machine from 8mm. Well,
3: and it's possible that he may not have even known what was going on in those scripts. They might have said, Hey, you're going to write this book. And he had to come up with it from scratch. It might have been a last minute kind of thing.
1: But I noticed that with the art in it, too, like it just reminded me of the 90s Titans books near the end, where it would be artists who, it's not Phil Jimenez or whatever. You know, these people that, like, when you start with Eddie Newell, I expected it to finish with Eddie Newell since on the trade, you know, his name is right there with Tony Isabella. I want to see more Newell art because I think that was the only thing that came in from like just dismissing it, even though I bought it. You know, I'm like, okay, hey, fine, I know I'll watch the show. And after reading the board by Isabella, I'm like, Okay, this gets me very, you know, jazzed up. Even he's talking about the show a little bit, which made me think. Okay, if he's talking about the show, then things should be cool, right? I was on Twitter talking to another artist about this. You know, he said, "Oh yeah, me, me and Tony and Isabella hung out for a little. Bit. I forgot his name, his name is uh, Andrew Fargo, but we were talking about this stuff. And he mentioned his blog and stuff. And I even said, "Hey, well, what else should I read since about this trade?" He says, "Well, why don't you read Cold Dead Hands?" And I said, "Well, does he do anything out after that?" He says, nah him and DC aren't on good terms. Isabella and DC, with Black Lightning if you created a character Group, you do want to see him do good. You want to be." every step of the way, right? Because that's kind of what McDuffie did a little bit before he died. He did try to come back to static in one form or another. He didn't just leave him. Which I feel like if Dwayne McDuffie had written Black Lightning then I wonder how it would have turned out.
3: So Tony Isabella besides the the books I mentioned before one of the other things he did is he scripted Justice Machine for the artist Mike Gustavich. And I enjoyed that stuff. I've enjoyed most of the Tony Isabella scripts I've read with the exception of the the Hawkman stuff and getting bored with Black Lightning. But the main thing I knew him from is he used to do a column in the, the industry newspaper comic buyer's guide and it was like my second favorite column after Peter Davids and I enjoyed reading that and I remember he once did a column where he was talking about a creator named Hart Fisher and this was a guy who had a company called Boneyard Press and he got a lot of notoriety because he did a comic book about Jeffrey Dahmer back when he was still alive. He was kind of exploiting that. He also did a book called Kill Image where it was like a fantasy of killing the various image creators and stuff and so he he got a lot of notoriety over things that you wouldn't want to be notable for. He was on I think Geraldo or Donahue or something and they were all I
1: think I heard about this guy on another podcast where he did an interview under, and I'm thinking well I know back in his day he was sh** but you know <laughs> yeah yeah these of them. like okay you're overcompensating are you
3: so I think that this fellow had gratiated himself to Tony Isabella at a con or something and Isabella was talking about how some of the best people in the industry in terms of like fame and and, and the quality of work or some of the worst people to know you wouldn't want to have anything to do with them because they're such jerks and mm-hmm. they were Hart Fisher's just a great guy he likes him he's read his books the books weren't great, and he was as nicely as possible saying the books weren't great, and basically implying that he likes Hart Fisher as a person but not his output. And, and, you know, that inverse where the quality, you know what I'm talking about, and uh, so
1: quality versus quantity
3: right it, well and also like nice guys are lousy creators sometimes and uh, sure. great creators are not such nice guys sometimes okay
1: mm, um, says a lot yeah yeah well I mean John Byrne <laughs> oh, John Byrne's by another one I used to like his work but after recent things he said a long time ago about mm. the trans community I'm like nah no thank you <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah he's definitely well, among any other things he said
3: <laughs> he's a person who was once well loved and he just will not keep his mouth shut about <laughs> things Chris
1: Claremont, I don't, I don't know, for me, Chris Claremont's cool, but Byrne is like, I can't, I can't look at his work without thinking, well, you said this you said this about Jessica Alba when the Fantastic Four movie oh, came. Oh, yeah, I know exactly. And like, you, didn't need, you didn't need to say that, you know what I mean? I mean, his version of Spider-Man I didn't like. I mean, I liked the Alpha Flight, but it was for different reasons, and some of it was not for him, it was for people after him, like Bill Mantlo, who, you know, he really played up the weirdness of the, of, of the characters versus, like, you know, Byrne seemed like he had the ideas, he was in love with them for a minute, I guess until something done, did, Marvel didn't pay him enough for Jim Shooter said something he didn't like, and then well, I'm leaving Fantastic Four and all this, and I'm gonna go do Hulk for like six issues, and then I'm gonna leave all that and go to DC after they give me a juicy project and a lot of money post Crisis. I mean, John Byrne's a very conflicting figure. Where I used to, if I didn't when, back when I knew nothing about him, I loved his art. But when I was starting to listen to podcasts where they would talk about things, well, he I was around when the, when Marv Wolfman went to court about Blade, you know, and then his beefs with certain people, he has beefs with Claremont. I don't know if him and Claremont are still friends. Friends.
3: No, I mean. no. Exactly what I mean. It's John Byrne, one of the greatest comic artists of all time, but you don't never meet your heroes, you know?
1: I mean, I don't know if I'd ever meet him,
3: really. Yeah. I think that Tony Osbello is a pretty solid comic writer. I've enjoyed a lot of the work of his that I've read, but he, he never had a, a really big career, and I think part of it is because his, I don't know if his ego or anger issues or what it is, just kind of, I think, torpedoed him in this industry. And I, he- I actually have a personal experience, too. I will sometimes do interviews at conventions and such and I get turned down at least as much as people say yes you know I'm, I'm used to it it just comes with the territory I'm not entitled to an interview with somebody you know but I get it but sometimes I do get run around or jerked around and that kind of ticks you off stuff so the interesting thing with Tony Isabella is I, I approach him and I give him the spiel and his reply is that doesn't sound like something I'd have any interest in mm. and it's like well that's you didn't jerk me around you didn't you know you didn't oh. tell me you know you were gonna do something you weren't gonna do or anything but it there's just such a snotty tone about it. Like, such a snotty know, way of doing it. Whenever
1: I was reading, this, we was reading this run, I didn't I don't know what it was. I guess I didn't get that run because I don't know him like that. So, <laughs> And in my mind, because when I see his name, I'm like, okay, Tony Isabella, he created Black Lightning. And even I know, I've seen a picture of him. He's a white guy. It got me blocked on Twitter, by the way. Oh, yeah? I noticed that. I don't know if it's a blockchain. or I know I might have said something at the time when Trevor Von Eden you know, had his beef and I was on Trevor Von Eden side. Cause since I'm an artist, I almost kind of side with the artist a little bit mm-hmm. like. Well, he shouldn't have done that to that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't I, know if you blocked me because of that or because I'm on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm like this often to say, hey man, I like that book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that show, Vital.
3: And, and that's exactly it. And that's a big problem I have too. Is that he is so he takes such ownership of Black Lightning, despite the fact that the artist has said that he designed that character. And there's no reason for us to, to not believe that. There's no reason to think that it's not true. But he's so zealous in guarding his ownership of a black character against a black co-creator, which to me is a little scary. messed up.
1: To me, I look, I look at, I look at that though. Like that's what kind of pissed me off. I'm like, he did help you make this. You know, you couldn't have drew this. You couldn't have drew this if you tried right and Von Eden who's done pretty well for himself artistically and everything I have more respect for him because okay he didn't let bl- that Black Lightning hold him back even though he could have had more ownership of it but the heat between him and Isabella is probably still going on today even though they both cameoed in the season finale of season 4 as two judges in Gotham City which I thought it was kind of weird a little bit knowing what I know now where I'm like I don't know if they're buddies I don't know if they're friends you know who's I, Nick Nolte and Murphy? Here? so yeah I don't think I'm, <laughs> well, the impression
3: I got is that they don't have a lot of kind words to say about one another
1: and the- I'm sure sure when they had to do that cameo, they probably had to put that aside, but... And, and that's well, just it
3: when I when I approached Osweiler about that interview too it was after Black Lightning had already happened and he had well, that yeah. sense of I'm too big of a deal to be talking to you you know interviewed by you I'm the Black Lightning creator
1: and but I'm like, I, the way McDuffie could have made up the character and I put it like this I mean he did with Static Shock and I could see what that's probably what since I didn't know all that that's probably what kind of made me once again not want to jump into the character like the way I did recently because I'm thinking okay the guys that made us are black right because they wouldn't make a black character unless you know you're not black I'm thinking you know my brain goes logic a little bit because i know storm was created by len ween and dave cochran but at least chris claremont had the foresight they really need to be smart about it where Isabella a villain and them, i could tell they were really trying to chase that blaxploitation shaft bad you know luke they're trying to do luke cage but it was almost you know i think i read in one blog said luke cage light
3: so here's my thing with black lightning I- i've hated on the character in the past and i've made fun of the character dwayne mcduffie began to rehabilitate him in justice league and of course now he has his own tv series one of my big complaints was he was just too small t- too irrelevant. He was basically a token in the DC Universe where there were better characters you could do stuff with and he basically Mm. was coasting on his being the first one in the lead series action. But because he's got this TV show now that's four seasons in, I've seen a single episode. I'm not a good judge of this show at all. But based on the one episode I did see, I was so impressed with the world building they had done. And one thing I like is when you're going to have a big iconic character, it's difficult to come up with a bunch of stuff from scratch. And I think one of the easiest things you can do when you have a shared universe is you let the character you want to be an icon, absorb material from the greater DC universe and make it their own, so they basically get to kind of repossess elements. And mm-hmm. because of his background with the Outsiders, he got he got the rights to Markovia, he got the mm-hmm. rights to a lot of the Geo Force stuff and a lot of the Outsiders. I think one of stuff. the
1: characters is named Geo Force in there. Yeah,
3: yeah, and and also another one named Windfall. Can you explain like because I'm still trying to wrap my head around what's the basic premise of the Black Lightning TV series? It's fascinating how much bigger it is than most of the other CW stuff. It's not a city thing. It's more like warring city states, or what, what's going on in that?
1: Okay, from what I've watched, really, like I know season one is pretty much like he's just getting back in the saddle, and all because his daughter was getting harassed by you know one of the 100 gang. And when I first watched it, at least from season one, I could tell that you were taking bits from Brick City Blues with um, Painkiller, except they do his origin there, and then they also take little bits of from Brick City Blues with Tobias being like in the show they made him that he was like a corrupt city councilman who you know Black Lightning's father blows a little off of that, but ends up getting killed by being force-fed his own paper, which I always thought that was kind of odd, though, because why would Tobias well do that? And then the whole thing about him, it'll it parallel Daredevil a little bit, because he saw his father getting killed. Like with the Kingpin and Daredevil, you know, Kingpin killing Daredevil's father. He goes away for a long time, but he's, like, immortal, because he never ages at all, because he takes some type of serum in his neck. And then the ASA is involved, that's when they start to do the government stuff, after Tobias Wells starts to really reestablish power. And I noticed with Lady Eve on the show, she's way different than Lady Eve on the comic i mean i don't know if you noticed that or not in the comic though she didn't look like jill scott (laughs) but i know i know they brought her back in season three or season four i think that was after the crisis if i'm right because i thought it was kind of weird like did she get resurrected like lala got resurrected because they did like another character named lala was like this weird little reinterpretation of of the tattoo man except tobias brought this man back from the dead like a you know used to be a student at garfield high and he's one of you know jefferson pierce's younger you know students former Mm -hmm. students Turn drug drug dealer, or drug kingpin, or something like that. I mean, he was a weird character because he started seeing these visions of all the people he killed. You know, Tobias and Daryl's the them well, Every person you ever killed, you're gonna get a tattoo of them, and you're gonna always see them speak to you. That so was being very like like I say, it was being very relevant about like Tiki torches at the whole thing at that one place. I forgot the name of it, but Daryl saying you will not replace us and all that stuff. And Thunder, I like to being in the show, but she was also being. She starts off as a as a teacher and as an activist, but she feels like I gotta go out there and do something. And then when she finds out she has power. You see her journey, you know, with her father. They don't know each other's superheroes. To about like a couple episodes in, so it's almost like this big, like, where we see Black Lightning getting back in the saddle with Gambi after basically his youngest daughter would be Lightning, basically being harassed by this guy who's been almost making make her do, you know, go into prostitution. How can I gotta say it? I mean, season one was a lot of build up where they did expand on things and it did take from certain places. And even I was able to recognize it, but I just like the way they just went with their own direction. Like the whole idea of like at first just Tobias is this hidden kingpin nobody even knows he's still in Freeland or not and I want to know is Freeland something from the comics
3: I think they invented that for the show I've no, I have never heard that him.
1: until I watched the episode of the show and he's like oh that's kind of cool because see I was reading Brick City Blues I was thinking that's where Freeland came from I was aware of his Metropolis beginnings more so than I was aware that okay Freeland isn't in Gotham is it so I know this was season one just did a lot of world building even with the ASA and had a guy called Greg H- had an actor named Greg Henry I'm, I'm sure you've seen him in stuff like Payback with Mel Gibson and all that Okay, you know who I'm talking about. I think so, yeah. Yeah, well, Greg Henry was like the villain, was like the villain of season one. And yeah, he was with the ASA. And I think that's a group that... I don't know if you know who they are. The, which one again? The ASA.
3: ASA. No, it's not ringing a bell.
1: But they're not made up for the show. They're really a team made up from the comics. But they're like some... ASA? They're like different with the Fourth of July or something like that. But oh, they made them here This is the, the
3: Axis... Uh, one, of the, one of those uh, Nazi groups, is it? I think something like that. But they're okay. like
1: American, whatever. Like an American. Yeah. Like, like,
3: like, like Axis American. American. Uh, they see they had a they had a team like that in Just League Task Force, and I think they turned up again during the Joe Kelly run of JLA. So yeah, I, I am assuming they're that's.
1: They're but they're more like very patriotic. Cause... Okay. Because when I was looking them up on um, Wikipedia, I'm thinking, okay, but then they made him just a shady organization a group where, okay, they give these drugs to all the kids in the inner city. You know, the drug dealers deal it to the kids, and it's called Greenlight, and it gives them superpowers, but it's also it makes them very addicted. And it was this weird little, like, comment on a real thing that happened just using fiction, crack being introduced in the ghetto and all that stuff. Saw the parallels there, but th- these people were making metahumans to put in pods to have in stasis and kind of launch them out whenever they need a metahuman to go into war or something. Like when you were mentioning the city. City States part because I know that comes up in seasons two three and four with Markovia and another place which introduced a villain named Gravedigger which he was a weird one because I'm thinking in the comics he didn't have superpowers he's just a you know a black guy who buried the dead during World War II with Sergeant Rock and him he was played by white Black I can't even say it, Wayne Brady which also mm-hmm. holds another weird thing about it and then Tobias Will getting basically put on his crimes you know and Odell shows up and it was this weird little thing weird seeing Bill Duke in this because I'm thinking oh yeah I, mean, oh, I remember from Predator
3: right well, I mean, and uh, I remember correctly, he directed A Rage in Harlem. And I love that one. And uh, he's an iconic figure. So when, I, when he showed up in black lighting, I'm like, what the hell is Bill Duke doing in black lighting, man? It <laughs> <and>, <laughs> automatically elevated
1: the scene of the show just seeing him on it. Yeah, see, the character he played really taunted Tobias for a bit. And also, he had Painkiller under his control. You know, it was a very gripping in part. Even I'm trying to think to myself, well, they never did this with Painkiller in the comics at all. They never even brought him back. But yet, this show was giving this character more time to be a character than big muscle guy who can paralyze you and also make you lose your sight and your smell. I don't know, I feel like the show, it did grab from a lot of places. I was excited when he even mentioned Gotham City because I'm thinking, you do know he was with the Outsiders and he did roll with Batman at one point, you know, are they going to mention that? Because I'm thinking post-crisis, they're really able just to lean in with that versus I'll say pre-crisis, season one, you didn't even know if he, has he, has he met Batman or whatever? Is Batman even real in his world or is he just fictitious? When Anessa was reading in the library like she had like one of the old 90s outsider comics trying to read up on how to be a superhero and I thought that's interesting I don't know a lot of it was like I saw little nods and easter eggs here and there at least from what little I did know of the character the villains that did use it, some of them were from outsiders and Dr. Jace she was yeah, in there
3: she was in the outsiders yeah
1: and she's another weird I couldn't tell if she was a good guy well a good girl or a bad girl you couldn't tell right because mm-hmm. she was a doctor and she worked on Tobias and Tobias is acting more like the kingpin in the show than what I read in the book I just thought it was really
3: interesting how political it was, how it's dealing with the morals of an autocratic state, the struggles between these two city-states. But the one thing I did notice, too, is that I still thought that Light Lightning was kind of a boring sniff, and I did think kind of silly. He kind of
1: spots. Yeah. He and, is in some spots.
3: But the characters around him, his daughters and his wife, and the dramas within their family dynamics, and then the greater dramas within the city, that was really fascinating to me. So once again, it's like, I'm not so much into Jefferson Pierce, but at least he's got some cool people around him now, some Cool no, ideas I feel like for him. the
1: show they spared him what happened to him in Brick City, where he didn't look like he had anything. We really, forget about just being a teacher and being Black Lightning. For this, they got to like at first he stopped being Black Lightning because he has his family. Which yeah, you're right. It's the people around. Even Gamby who I thought I wasn't gonna like, even though it was played by James Remar, mm. which I thought that was kind of odd. Another, <laughs> you know?
3: another egg swinging for the fences in terms of getting a, a stunt actor basically to come in.
1: I look at him and go, I've seen him play Raiden in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Mm. <laughs> he always played bad guys and everything else.
3: Yeah a great character actor I'm I'm a fan of his
1: I mean I I like him this is always weird seeing him I didn't expect you to be in this right (laughs) you're one of the
3: warriors (laughs) (laughs) but that was my my big beef with Black Lightning was always that he needed to be more than this he needed to be more than what you would get in the Brick City Blues story and it looks like the TV shows finally made it where it's like okay he is more than just the silly man with the plunging v-neck and the belt that shot electricity and stuff It's like (laughs) that's all I wanted from that guy and even if it maybe it's going to be his daughter's as legacy characters that outshine him and continue on the legacy that he never really fully made into anything really all that worthwhile. But I think that through his daughters and through the the stories that are being told in the TV show, Black Lightning's finally making something of himself. He's finally earning the reputation that was gifted to him just by having a book earlier at DC than anybody else.
1: I mean, I find it interesting because yeah, he was one of the first to have his own title, but at the same time, it was also like it took a long, long time for at least TV-wise for it to catch up. Which you know, I'm not to say that says a lot about. DC, but I feel like sometimes like you got a character like that, you should exploit it.
2: I gotta say, playing hero, it's starting to feel pretty sweet. I'm not surprised. You show real potential for this game. You ever need a mentor, Virgil? You just let me know.
3: The August 2009 cover dated Brave and the Bold number 24 features the story Last Time I Saw Paris by writer Matt Wayne and artist Howard Porter neither of whom are black I should point out. Static created by Dwayne McDuffie Derek T. Dingle Dennis Cowan and Michael Davis. Black Lightning created by Tony Isabella and Trevor Von Eden. Story opens at Blackgate Prison. maximum security when it was built Blackgate still manages to keep its non-metahuman prisoners very well but a foot of concrete and rebar doesn't hold the worst of today's worst or keep them out. Dakota's own holocaust has broken into Blackgate. Holocaust had planned to open up a riverboat casino off Paris Island, but somehow someone in the Luther administration put the kibosh on that. Holocaust had broken in to get information on who was responsible and the who was fingered as Jefferson Black Lightning Pierce, who just happened to be giving a graduation speech at Hemingway High. He's no longer the education secretary, but he's still considered a get. The last time I was in Dakota, I was about your age, a student protesting the closure of the Paris Island Accordion Fold Door Factory. The factory never did reopen you are not the first in dakota to face economic hardship but neither will you be the first to overcome the odds and achieve greatness it is often said one door closes and another opens virgil is whispering he knows this is a good part of town right frida virgil hush pierce seems like a decent guy a decent crook you don't see anybody else from the justice league taking speaking engagements in flyover country black lightning's as big an icon as icons get big as i don't know icon but any luthor stooge has got to be shady holocaust shows up to throw down In a two-page splash, he blasts the lectern, shouting, time to die. Holocaust also accuses Jefferson Pierce of being a crook that took his money, and claims that when he's done, they'll be calling you broiled lightning. You're delusional. I don't know what your beef is, Holocaust. I've barely even heard of you, but I'm damn sure shutting you down. It's a decent fight at first, but Holocaust claims that, next to me, you're hardly a blip. I'm a god. Vengeance is mine. Frida helps give Virgil cover so that he can change into his costume. Holocaust isn't too happy to see Static. Seriously, Holly, how's it going? I haven't seen you since Burning man get that that's a pun at least i think it's a pun it's definitely wordplay do you ever shut up Black Lightning briefly manages to cut off the oxygen supply to Holocaust's body using some sort of wrap. doesn't make a ton of sense. Maybe it's some kind of foil. Holocaust just mocks him, explaining that he's not some little wimp like Hot Street. Newscopters show up and Holocaust almost downs one of them. Static has to go off to help with that. He also basically says, Take off, Pierce. You're not in Holly's league. Holocaust concurs. Black Lightning's like, Junior, I gave up worrying about what league I was in a long time ago. Somebody's playing you, man. And the fact is, Holocaust knows it. He just..." also knows that in order to send a message, he's going to have to take out Black Lightning so that nobody else tries to mess him over in the future. You'll kill just to look right? I'll kill you because I can, Pops. Strength don't need a reason. Static uses this, turns goalposts into a giant shovel, picks up a big old hunk of dirt. Black Lightning and Static combine their power to blast Holocaust into the dirt, pack him in, and essentially suffocate him temporarily. You think that'll douse him? If not, from what I hear about luau's, by tomorrow he'll be delicious. The way he was talking, you never did take his money, did you? You're using a rep to cover for some very advanced heroics. He's right to call me his enemy. Back then, I swapped a few favors to kill his casino. An influx of prostitutes and pawnbrokers. Paris Island would just add fuel to the fire. A pun for Mr. Can the Chatter? Don't tell Holly he missed it. He'd be so put out. A shred. Special Heavy Equipment Rapid Emergency Deployment Unit, these being Dakota Special Forces, they take off with Holocaust and take him to Iron Heights for a stunt. And thanks to a call to the Department of Education, the athletics field's going to be fixed up by fall? Talk about saving the day? You do what you can, when you can, and forget what they say about you. That's great advice for Static. I'll be sure to tell him. Apropos of nothing, I find that extra deodorant and a fresh costume every day conceals one's civilian identity, better than changing one's voice ever could. Yeah, I'd imagine. A costume under the clothes probably wouldn't work so well in warm weather, but you know, superheroes and their tropes clearly battered and graying. Jefferson Pierce is only too happy to take some nachos from Virgil Hawkins, who heard they don't have those in the Watchtower cafeteria. Frida tries to get a Luthorian administration scoop out of Jefferson Pierce. You student media types always peddle the same old rumors. Black Lightning's crooked. Statics one of his 17 illegitimate kids. He's some kind of secret Kryptonian or Dominator. Forget what you heard. Black Lightning's my hero. Um, and statics, I'd imagine.
1: The end. But I'm I'm thinking after no after reading what I've read and watching the show, Black Lightning. It's like, well, can they put him on the jail again or are they just gonna keep him an outsider?
3: <laughs> well, and have you read any of the outsider
1: stuff? They got Tony uh, well, is also mad? I've, I've read a little bit, not too much, just a little bit. I mean I like the Alan Davis artwork of um the series after Batman left. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't much on Jim Aparo. I mean, I don't know what it was because he looked you know, like he drew everything at DC in the Bronze Age.
3: Yeah. I, I love Jim Aparo, but I, I'm not big on Outsiders because it just, he's not a team book guy for me. That he that team did not look great under his pen. Alan Davis did a much better job of selling it, but if you need Alan Davis to make your team look cool, then you, you probably need some more yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, better. that's
1: probably why I picked up like two or three issues, but I never, I'm not buying a trade right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I will because okay, Metamorpho I kind of like because once again I see him in the cart I seen him in the Just League cartoon you know that one episode where him and John Stewart fought one another and then Looker I mean Looker looks interesting I mean Katana I know she was in Suicide Squad which is another thing where I'm like I guess she's better off rolling with Amanda Waller and Rick Flag you know and sticking with them, Black Lightning and them you know and she, I don't know she's like, she clearly get more work done there Halo is another one where I'm like she just was an odd character because she was, supposedly was a drug dealer and then died and then. Her body was inhabited by an alien.
3: Yeah, (laughs) I don't know.
1: It was was just this weird little like. I don't know what's going on here. She was on the same team with Black Lightning. Messy wannabe Teen
3: Titans X-Men. I just, I don't, I have no time for it. They fought the Teen Titans at one point. Just putting the two of them teams together is just like really let you know how poor the Outsiders were, you know?
1: Just- I mean, I know it was Batman's little team. It wasn't even Batman Inc. <laughs> I got Batman Inc. I read that one. I don't know Batman Inc's a weird outlier for me because I was like, well, okay, at least we know there's a bunch of other Batman of other countries and I barely saw an Outsider to be found there. Because I think Grant Morrison was like, well, we are not exactly doing that one there I mean I'm doing all the other Batman of other nations but I'm, I'm not putting black lightning in this team <laughs> <laughs> I got enough people here <laughs> I got I don't need him <laughs> but you know you know Grant Morrison yeah which I'm surprised he hasn't gotten onto characters as much as Grant Morrison likes to get onto obscure characters you know but you think it would have been too tricky too trippy is what I meant tricky, to say
4: yeah. now settle down you two
2: lovely ladies I give it to you black lightning Well girls, how do you like seeing your old man as a cool, butt-kicking crime fighter? Sorry dad, but even that outfit can't make you cool. When do we get costumes? Not till you graduate from college. That's so unfair! Yeah, we're ready to be superheroes now. You are both too young to be fighting crime.
3: Weren't you around Anissa's age when I made you your first costume? You're not helping.
2: Dr. Polaris, you girls stay here. Okay. Maybe he
1: is cool. Just when you thought it was safe to hear our podcast promo.
3: JL, do, 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 JL May, do 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 brave and the bold, do 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 do, comic books, do 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 do, JL May. JL May, do 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 brave and the bold, do 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 comic books, do 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 do, JL May. JL May, the bold, comic books, JL May. The annual podcast crossover event celebrating the Justice League is back. We're covering the 2007 Brave and the Bold series that started with Mark Wade and George Freakin' Perez and ended with J. Michael Straczynski. Throughout the month of May, participating podcasts will release special episodes on issues in the run. It all kicks off in the Overlook Dark Knight podcast. Follow the event on social media using the hashtag JLMay2023. Coming this May. Hey, hell hey if you enjoyed the music from this podcast be sure to legally download smokestack lightning by muddy waters chain lightning by Steely Dan children's story by slick Rick my love strikes black lightning by muddy waters Donald Trump black version by the time 1952 Vincent black lightning by Sean Rowe crane white lightning by Rza and Charles Bernstein Static, Parts 1 and 2 by James Brown, Blackout Show Freestyle 1997 by Big L, Run It by TM88 and Pierre Bourne, Free City Rhymes by Sonic Youth, Shock to the System by Billy Idol, Static on the Radio by Chronic Future, Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio, The Nighttime by Moby and Void Pacific Choir, Hit em High, The Monster's Anthem by Buster Rhymes, Coolio, LL Cool J, and Method Man Be Real, Enemy by Imagine Dragons with JID, X-Static Process by Madonna, Shocked by Kali. Minogue, Black by Seven Dust, Kid Rich or Die Talking by Aha Gazelle, Slam by Onyx, Superhero Pool Party by Mers, and Semi Attic Static Shock, official instrumental by Juice World. When you take a podcast out of production for five years, things tend to change around it. The only social media I have available to me at this point is Twitter. So let me say a thanks out to the 108th Sage, Adam Ionberry, Alex M., Dr. Ange, who added, I'm a big fan of Richard Dragon. I know him best from the Question and Hunter's books. I only have the first issue of the 70s book. I had the first issue of the remake, but stopped there and gave it away. I can appreciate him as a guy who was able to better himself, channeling his energy for good rather than wallowing in anger. Here's my favorite panel from issue number one. Hashtag, sometimes think he is talking to me. Thanks for the deep dive. I'll embed the panel on the blog, but it reads from ocean say, I think. You bear a great burden of hate. Yet beneath this terrible load, I sense a core of goodness. More, a sense of possible destiny of greatness, which we may perhaps be able to cultivate. Moving along, Bad at Shapirak, which, between the Pages, Cash Flag, Charlton Hero, Chris of Bad Books for Beginners, who added Time to Download and Ready Earbuds, Chris Sheehan, Coffee and Comics Podcast, Comics in the Golden Age, Darren Russoland, Doc Strange, Ed Moore, Teal Productions, Firestorm Fan, Fog Weaver, History of Comics on Film, It's Plastic Man, Jenna Risman, Julio Raul, Super Turbo, Keith G. Baker, Christados, Lava Hog, Longbox Crusade, The Namor Submariner Podcast, Parliopod, Phantom 1313, Professor Frenzy, Quanta Academia, Ranger Gord, Culture War Draft Dodger Raven X Fields Reggie Reggie the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network Resurrections Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast Sean Merrick Siskoid Slangward Steve Sellers Steven E. Shend and Willie Yarbrough As you heard earlier this podcast is part of a series of podcasts and at least one vlog that's going to be covering the entire third volume of DC Comics' The Brave and the Bold which ran from 2007 to 2010 total of 35 issues I'm not sure if if all of the issues were ever taken, ultimately. Uh, some folks that I believe will be involved with the podcast because I've yet to get a definitive list. It looks like, despite how long, three years it took me to finally use this material for the podcast, I might actually end up being the first podcast out in this thing. Anyway, some other folks that should be involved include The Overlook Dark Knight, Dial F for Flanger, The Bat Pod, Legion Podcast, that's L-E-G-I- O-N-P-O-D, Cast, The Legion Project, Teal Productions, The Right on Network, Fanholes Podcast, Justice Trek, Pop Culture Affidavit. It. Fortress of Babytude, Longbox Crusade, Coffee and Comics Podcast, Married with Comics, Superman in Crisis, The Lantern Cast, The Podcast of Oa, Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast, the Weird Warriors Podcast, Magazines and Monsters, Once Upon a Geek, and The Fire and Water Podcast. itself self-making it return after nearly two years. Also, you're not entirely done with me. I've got some more material involved with in this crossover. Definitely DC Bloodlines. Uh, I'm not sure there'll be anything else beyond that, but I've got two more issues of Brave and the Bold Featuring milestone characters and DC folks hosting them. We'll get around to that ASAP certainly over the course of the month of May, and be sure to give all the other folks a listen. This program is a not for profit fan production. Any copyrighted materials within are believed covered under fair use, with no infringement intended against the rights holder. You may leave your comments on the DC Bloodlines blog, the Rolled Spine Podcast WordPress page, at Twitter with either Commander Blanks or Rolled Spine, or on the Facebook page. And of course, within the context of social media only, spill the blood!